Revely, revely, donks. Look at us now, tip to tip. This is our life. This is our passion. That's the spirit we bring to this show. I'm Luke Thomas. I'm Brian Campbell. This is Morning Combat. It's afternoon combat here on Wednesday, the 9th of March, 2020. And Brian Campbell is in the middle of nowhere. Hi, everyone. My name is Luke Thomas. I am merely one half of your hosting duo for today's morning combat in the afternoon. We are here to accommodate Brian Campbell as he travels to all the many beauties you know, of this is it, world. Is it BC's fault or did BC save the day? I think that's what you have to ask yourself right now, Luke. Okay. Yes, but if we were asking a question about whether it's your fault or whether you saved something, it was perilous nonetheless. But Brian Campbell, how are you, good sir? I know you're in South Dakota. I'm yeah. guessing for all the tourisms and to see many of the wonders of the world. Is that it? <laughs> well, when, when in Deadwood, Luke, it, it is good to do like the dead do. So I bought this. When I bought my ham and cheese sandwich for lunch in the gift shop, Luke, I got this fine piece of uh, Deadwood uh, merch that I think can match my car and my wallet, Luke. So, um yeah, yeah, and probably my skin tone as well, Luke. But um, uh, I made it here. There, to, you know, to you to to great surprise, Luke. There aren't a lot of flights from Hartford to Rapid City, but we made it to Deadwood, and uh, Friday night showbox will be lit. Uh, so uh, tune into that, of course. But you know what, Luke? This is the kind of town where like the Constitution is written on all the napkins. You know what I mean? It's like uh, you know the the women come with plows. It's great. It's, the people are great though. People are fantastic. Is the average person at the gas station more or less armed than Rambo? <laughs> Dude, there was a guy, an old guy, whose job was like to tell you where the rental car was. Just, just, I mean, outwardly packing the shit out of it with like the stylized leg holster. And I mean, you know, you remember like you know peak pandemic, people be getting like bedazzled masks. This guy had like a bedazzled holster, Luke. I mean, this is great, great country. It's barren as shit out here, Luke. Oh my god, yeah, wow. Well, I, would right? I would tell you to go enjoy the uh, the. The nachos at Chili's, but I don't know if they have Chili's out there. I don't even know Dude, what they have. Here's what I know about Deadwood for the you know 30 minutes I've been here. Every business, including gas stations and, and corner stores, has a casino inside of it. Ooh. And and every restaurant is a steakhouse. And I stole those two jokes from uh, Mitch Abramson of Showtime PR. But he's right. He's right on, Luke. He's right on. He certainly is. Well, we have a lot to get to today, BC. I've, of course, you will be there for Friday's Showbox. I don't want folks to forget that. But for today's purposes... We actually do have a pretty big weekend slate of MMA fights. UFC, Bellator, LFA1, and some other ones along the way. We have some Kayla Harrison news to discuss. We have some Islam Makachev news to discuss. Going to play a little over-unders, so it should be a fun one here today. Thumbs up on the video if you're watching on YouTube. Please hit subscribe if you're listening on podcasts. Give us a nice review on whatever platform you have found us. Of course, you can always email the show. You can email us at, let's see, morningcombat at gmail.com. That's always a great place. Uh, Showtime is the label that pays BC. I know that. So you can go to Showtime.com, get a 30-day free trial. If you like it, you can keep it. If not, you can bounce. And BC, I don't know if there's anything new new in the store other than we told people we got St. Patty's. Excuse me. Uh, the Irish get mad when you say that. You can say Patty's Day or St. Patrick's Day. The Irish say you're not supposed to say St. Patty's Day. That drives them nuts. Yeah, don't forget, Luke, if you ever did plan on testing me that I am an eighth Irish. People don't talk about that a lot when they size me up, but it is a thing, Luke. And if you go to morningcombat.store right now, plenty of MK Irish-themed Patty Days. So Aaron 
Lose the bra already. I mean, I mean, right? I mean, come on, right? Yeah. Woo. All right. Are you get little... fired from Deadwood? Yeah, no, no, all that's the way, that's um all the that... way from Deadwood. <laughs> that's uh, Celtic humor right there, Luke. Okay, if, if you will, uh, Luke. One more thing, though. Our producers really, really wanted to make sure I, I, uh, I, I made this happen, um, Luke. This Carson Wentz trade for the Redskins. I mean, things are looking up, bro. You know, <laughs> looking up at the lights. Um, yeah, it was so funny. I was driving home in traffic yesterday, so I was listening to sports radio and they were talking about, this was like the Russell Westbrook trade had happened. And if you recall, they had tried to get a few big name QBs like Stafford. Stafford was one when he, before he went to the Rams that, um, the commanders tried to make a move for. And I think that there was a lot of reasons why he didn't take it. One of which was there was like a really, the offer wasn't that great. They confirmed yesterday that the offer that they had made with Russell Wilson, obviously the final offer that they got from Denver was much bigger, but the initial offer from the commanders was a bunch of stuff, including three first-round picks. So, like, they at least had a good starting offer, and Russell Wilson was like, I don't want anything to do with it. <laughs> and the hosts of the show were like, so wait a second, fellas. If we're giving people, at least from a starting position, the kind of starting deal that almost any good team would make, would make and they don't want to go down this process with us, what does that say about us? And I'm like, right, nobody wants to come here. I guarantee you Carson Wentz didn't even want to come here. The reality is this team sucks. This organization sucks. Everything about it sucks. Carson Wentz is better than Taylor Heineke, but that's it. That's that's literally all I can say about it. So here's another season of, uh, you know, 7-10 and 10 or whatever the fuck they're going to be. I don't know anything about Taylor Heineke, but that does sound like a sissy quarterback name. I'm sorry, it does. Okay, his story you is know? cool. I think he played for like Norfolk State or whatever, or, or, or University of um, which one was it? Out there in Norfolk, Virginia, and it didn't make it to the league, and then all the stuff he found his way there, and it's cool. But he's a fucking backup. He's a backup. What he is is a backup. Yeah, I bet he, I bet he, you know, stocked the grocery shelves like Kurt Warner, and then found a, you know, spiked haired uh, wife who looks like Ma'am from Webster. Right? You know what I mean? It's it's a classic true Middle American story, Luke. Okay, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> Um, I'll leave that alone and <laughs> just say deep, morning combat listeners. Right yeah. We want you to compete with us in a bracket challenge game. I'll be there. BC will be there. And we want you to be there as well. Join us at cbssports.com slash morning combat brackets, plural brackets. And the winner gets a $100 gift card to Paramount plus You're, you'll be able to watch NCAA tournament games on Paramount plus tons of soccer from the champions league, which is going on right now. All of Madrid. Uh, to CONCACAF, golf majors in the spring, NFL football in the fall. Also, we're excited for the debut of Halo, which is streaming March 24th exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com slash Halo to try it for free. But back to the brackets. Uh, you can create a group to compete against your friends and fill out your bracket for the chance to win a trip to the 2023 Final Four. And you can play all of that on CBS Sports app or CBSSports.com slash Morning Combat Brackets. BC, it should not be difficult to beat us. College basketball sucks ass. I no longer yeah. watch it, and it's for it's for cucks. I mean, I'd really, let's just be honest. <laughs> wow, dude, that's a. I mean, that you know, I mean, I was ready to go get off the exit with you wherever you were going, but that was uh, all right. There it is. Yep. Okay. It's for it's for low T cucks. I mean, well, if if you have low T, uh, you know, we are part of the, the best network that ever covered college basketball. Luke, it's CBS Sports. Thank you. Very much. No, I'm right. teasing. I'm teasing. Obviously, One people shining. love college basketball. March, March Madness is legitimately, when I was a drinker, I'll say this, BC, when I was a drinker, oh, yeah. March Madness, the first two weekends of March Madness, 
Those are great days. Those are fun days. All to right. Well, what's so. your what's your take then on the famous song, Luke? The ball is tipped. Oh, you mean like uh, one shining were. moment? You're running for your life. Yeah, man. It's like, I mean, it just gets you, right? It just pulls deep. It's, it's, it's like, it's true. It's, I always free, look for. You know? Yeah. I always look forward to one shining moment. So um, it should be fun. It should be a fun time. So you can, And by the way, BC and I are going to suck at this. So come beat our asses. That sounds weird, but you know what I'm saying. All right, Luke, BC. I feel, the- I feel like Hainato Moicano right now. I, I, you know, I, I took this assignment on last minute notice, Luke. It's a you know, big opportunity for me. So I'm willing to leave it all on the show, Luke. Okay. Am I about, am I about to beat the bejesus out of you? If you, they- if you go easy on me in the final round, Luke, I'm coming. Okay. Believe that. All right. Good to know. All right, topic number one, let's start things off. We do have a slate of weekend fights to get to. Number one, first and foremost, UFC fight night, Santos versus Ankalaev. BC, not a lot of discussion about this. There's a little bit of a UFC 272 hangover. I expect that switch to start happening about today. Obviously, by tomorrow, weigh-ins will be on Friday. But we start with the main event, Tiago Santos. uh, Excuse me, I'm in the wrong one here. Pardon me, I'm on the wrong one. Tiago Santos taking on... Ankalaev. BC, when you think about what is at stake in this fight for both competitors, what is it? Uh, this is, uh, you know, the gate that separates, uh, you know, whoever gets through it is going to be proven that they are, for the first time or now, or still among the elite in this game, and the loser will take a big step backwards. And obviously there is a bright ceiling for Ankalaev with the seven-fight win streak if he ends up finding out along with us on Saturday night that he very much is for real. Yeah, he looks to be for real. I mean, the Ozdemir win, the win streak together, the brutality, the dominance. Uh, he's a hammer, Luke. He's putting it together. And it's not like he hasn't tasted defeat before. But it feels like he's coming on. So this, twi- I don't want to say twilight, but second chapter run of whatever's left in Maheda is really the perfect test for us to find out. And obviously on the flip side, if you're Tiago Santos, you got that Johnny Walker win, which stemmed the tide of that losing streak against elite names. But Luke, um, you know, that guy found out how great he actually could be on that night against John Jones, despite the really bad knee injuries. And, you know, he went for it in his moment. And you could argue, as we always do, hey, you know, you, you, you could have scored it for him. The knee injury that followed that, he has never been the same. He looked like it against Glover, right? And dropped him. He looked like the like that spark was back. Um, I hope it's back, Luke, because this guy's a competitor. He makes great fights. If it's back, this is a winnable fight for him. But if this is a trend that we are now following now, which is, you know, Tiago Santos pushing 40 a little bit of a half step slower, um, it's going to be a rough night at the office. So crossroads fight, yes, but at the very elite level, Luke, to find out which direction they're going. No doubt about it. They're ranked, uh, respectively, Santos and Ankalaev, five and six. So if Ankalaev wins, he bumps it probably in all likelihood into the top five, and Santos bounces out. Now, that's not the end of the world, as you indicated. He still has a high position. He would still be in relevant fights. He would not be necessarily all that far from a title shot. But the larger question, of course, is not what the number would be next to his name for Tiago Santos. If he loses again, this would be, what, four out of his last five with the only win, as you indicated, being Johnny Walker, which is not nothing, but it's not much to keep you, not just, I guess he would keep something of a relative high number, but it wouldn't keep you as like everyone's top of the list of people who they would pencil in for, you know, that short list about who is really a title threat. I think that would firmly remove him from that process. This, to me, for Tiago Santos, if he has any hope of getting a title shot before he turns 40, you got to win this one. You got to win this one. Again, late notice, blah, blah, blah. But to earn it meritocratically, 
you got to be this one. For Ankaliyev, man, he is a freight train. This is a guy we have been spotlighting for some time. A lot of people have. We have noticed right away how good his boxing is. Overall game is tremendous. Has a good chin. Gets hit a little bit, not too much. So there is a little bit of a window for Tiago Santos. But in all likelihood, to me, the story here is the ascension of Megamed Ankaliyev. Absolutely. Who is, who is who is one of the one of the most well, efficient fighters in that division and is on that shortlist BC as I'm sure you agree for a future either title holder or definitely a title contender. Yeah, I mean obviously it's a trend that that keeps happening, right? There's another Schmesh Factory alum in a prime spot about to take over the top of the divisional rankings and move himself into real title contention and and this guy fits that bill. But I want to ask you this because I laid out the storyline as sort of twofold, you know, crossroads fight. Somebody's going, coming, somebody's going potentially. But in my mind, Luke, would I favor Santos? No. But in my mind, this is still a winnable fight. Maybe because I'm some Mahetta super fan out of nowhere. Or or maybe because I'm not tied in enough. So when you look at the odds, Luke, is this really? You know, you said, no, the real story is Uncle Live, And that's true. He has a bright ceiling if he gets there. But these betting odds make it feel like it's no story at all. At this moment, DraftKings has Uncle Live minus 600, Tiago Santos plus 435. Uh, does that surprise you at all? What Vegas is telling you by setting the odds this way? Again, so part of those reasons that the odds are set that way is to induce betting, as we all know. But the, an examination of the numbers, I think, says a fair... Actually, you know what? Their numbers are pretty competitive. Uh, but here's the thing for Magomed Ankalaev. Strikes absorb per, per, uh, per minute, right, for a light heavyweight. He's just two. Man, that's low. That's low. They don't hit this guy a whole lot. Striking defense is 62%. For a guy like Santos, who is heavy-handed, who, you know, how explosive he is, I think it needs to be re reconsidered given the t the age and given the injury and rehabilitation history. But still, certainly, obviously, a potent striking threat. But for someone who is that diligent and that I should say rather that vigilant about making sure they're in the right positions, leading the charge, he does have a good chin when he gets cracked. Uh, yeah, I can see why those odds are the way they are. Also, by the way, he's good for about a takedown per 15 minutes. If this one goes long, you could see two or three of those mixing things up, slowing Tiago Santos down again. And also, dude, you know the thing here about this too. Maybe I'm overstating things. A lot of these guys from the, the Caucasus Mountains, they don't – it's not like they're not merciful, but they don't have a gear where they really let their foot off the gas. They're strategic, and they are careful about planning – but they're, they're really consistent about staying on the offense. I think what you're going to see here a lot is Santos getting backed up. We'll talk about this on Friday. Santos getting backed up and not really even being in a position, to answer your question, BC, right. to use his better weapons. That's the kind of thing Ankaliyev can do, both on the feet and obviously on the ground. Uh, you know, I want Tiago Santos to still have his day, but... You know, it's, it, it, I, I may get sobered up pretty quick Saturday night, Luke. His day may be over at this level, and, and even if it wasn't, it still may end up being because Ankaliyev is that good. But this is good theater. This is a good main event, Luke. I'm, I'm legitimately fired up for this one. In your co-main event, I, I share your enthusiasm as well. A bantamweight co-main event, BC, this one, you're talking about the main event being Crossroads. It is to an extent, or at least in a more limited way. How about this one for Crossroads? Marlon Marais taking on Song Yadong. Two trains going in very different directions. Marlon Marais hasn't won a fight since the very controversial split decision 
over Jose Aldo. So if you're asking when was his last like dominant performance, that would be against Rafael Sunso in the same year, but February of 2019. So basically three years since he really kind of put it on somebody. Since then, he had the loss to Cejudo, the, the controversial win over Aldo, and then consecutive losses to San Hagen Font and Devalish Wheelie. By contrast, BC, Song Yadong has only lost one in his uh, last five, had a draw against Cody Stamen, beat Chito Vera. He did lose to Kyler Phillips. We just saw him recently. He's a hammer. And then he rebounded against Casey Kenny, a very good grinder, and then Julio Arce, a talented uh, stand-up fighter. BC, I mean, is this it for Marlon Moraes? If he loses on Saturday, is he gone from UFC? You know, I, I wonder that. I wonder that. And I'm, and I'm quick to want to click on and see his age, 33, which, you know, doesn't freak you out, but... Okay, he's got four losses in recent memory, all against the elite, but he gets stopped in those fights, Luke. And there's always been a thing with Marlon Moraes fulfilling his potential of, uh, you know, is he a little bit, for as talented as he is, and his talent is top end. We've seen it. I mean, we've absolutely, we've seen it. But could he gas out? Could he make a key mistake in a fight? We've seen those type of things play out as maybe the reason holding him back. Now when you package together four stoppage losses, he may be missing that thing that can potentially hold that all together and try to create that that one shiny moment, that run where he legitimately makes a run. Yeah, I think if he loses here, the the promotion is is well within its right to say you've now proven on you know enough occasions of, of the direction you're heading and how fast this is a huge fight for Marais. And it's like if you're Marais, given how good Song Yudong seems to be, and by the way, he's only 24, so you know he may even catch another loss or two on his rise to figuring out how good he can be. Uh, this is going to be a tough test, Luke, because if you're Marais, do you panic and just kind of do a Tyron Woodley versus Luke type of deal and just go, look, I'm emptying the tank. We'll see what happens. Is it that level of desperation yet? It might be. Luke, it might be. It, it genuinely might be. What is your best assessment? Because a lot of times guys run into, you know, the top end of a division and they have to recalibrate or, you know, they have a, you know, they have injuries and then the, uh, maybe the right, the wrong kind of style matchup. There's reasons to explain some of the losses around maybe development, maybe what they were doing, but they tend to have at least pockets of, of rebound. Now he may have one here to be clear, but what is your sense about why he is suffering this way? And what I mean is it just looks like since the loss to Cejudo, Everyone has figured out how to fight them, and they just go right to that way. They use slightly different things to get there, but it's the same general practice, and he can't seem to find a way to adjust around it. Look, he, he likes to fight, and so if you can get him off of, his, of what should be a healthy pace for him and make it a little bit of a scrappy event, he's a guy that'll dump his gas tank, Luke, and that's what I'm saying. That's been the thing in the past that maybe has you know been the biggest hurdle in the way, but... When you package enough stoppage defeats, then suddenly, you know, you have to wonder, okay, 33, but it's been in a ton of fights, and, and you get that many, you know, the, the punch resistant goes, it goes. Luke, I think there's legitimate questions right now about his punch resistance, and I think he was a very good fighter, but a mistake-prone one at the highest level, and was never able to figure it out, and now he's grasping, potentially, to to, to try to put it back together, and, and, and I don't think Humpty Dumpty's getting back on that wall, Luke. I don't think so either. For Song Yudong, though, this would be his best win to date. Again, he's got some good wins, to be sure. And honestly, the Cody Stamen draw, I know Cody Stamen didn't like it, but Cody Stamen's a very quality opponent. Following it up with a win over Chito Vera, those are, again, a respectable draw, or a performance in a draw, I should say, and then a very nice win over Marlon Vera, and then his last two have been great. 
But you beat a guy like Marais, and now you're beating the kinds of guys who have been in an orbit that none of his other opponents have been. None of his other opponents, to my knowledge, have fought for a UFC title, have been in that place. Marlon Marais, at least for a time, was. You beat a guy like that, you beat someone who is in a place where you've never been before. That is a massive escalation and growth opportunity for a guy who, again, against Arce and against Kenny, has looked the best he's ever looked. If this is Song Yadong's opportunity, if this is what he's been waiting for to graduate through the ranks, this is a hell of an opportunity. It is, because this is probably the last time since we're essentially writing his UFC obituary, uh, Marais, with a loss. We don't know what will happen, but this is probably the last time that win's going to mean a lot, and it certainly would mean a lot to where Song Yadong's going. Look, I want to spin Yadong back at you. I didn't. I, I swear I didn't set it up like that, Luke. Um, where and, and just say, look, 24 years old, and we have seen him win and lose. We've seen him get a decision and close fight against. Uh, was it against Vera? That 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 was. Uh, mm-hmm. It was that close. was questionable. Was that the Vera fight, Luke? Am I making that up? Well, the one against. Sta- I, I don't know because the well, which one for Song Yudong? Yeah, it, the the Stamen fight was the one that was the draw, but I'm not but sure. But the Vera fight was the one in a key spot that could have gone either way. My point yes. is this, Luke. I want to ask you, I mean, how bright? Because this Bantamweight division is so stocked with newcomers, old comers, comers, Luke. How good is this kid, really? And and I, and I, and I, I hedged it by saying I think it, it, he's still far away from figuring that out, but he's had you know Mr. Favor behind him since day one, pushing him and saying he's going to be the next big thing. Have you seen enough flashes of that to have a strong confidence level? Here's the thing. Yeah. If he was if he was showing what he was showing up at middleweight, I'd be like, "Wow, yeah, this guy is going to get a title shot pretty quickly." Obviously, but at bantamweight, it's just a murderer's row. So you ask me, does he shine? Does he show growth and development? Does he show um, adaptation? He's a good athlete, powerful puncher. He sets things up. He's a good wrestler. Yeah, he's got all of those things in spades. And I'm not here to say that he won't be a title contender, but just understand where he's at. He's currently ranked 14th. So part of what happens here, if he beats Marais, who's ranked 10th, it would bump, into, bump him into the top 10. 11 through 15 is Edgar O'Malley, Ricky Simone, Song Yudong, and Rafael Sunsao. Those are not chumps. At 10, it's Marlon Marais, Pedro Munoz, Vera. Again, I think another fight with Vera would be you know, difficult either way. Dominic Cruz, Marab, Rob Font, Sanhagen, Aldo, Dillashaw, Jan. Like, it's like... He has clearly shown he is a fighter of talent. He has clearly shown a capacity for improvement. He is worth taking seriously. But that climb to the top is Kilimanjaro. It's going to take a long time for anybody. No one is mowing through that. No one I can see. There's just too much talent, too much parity. Let's have a lot of confidence in Song Yadong. Let's have some managed expectations just given what path he is trying to cross. Yeah, that's, right? a, that's a very that's a very par- fair point, Luke. Um, I would say there's a few other fights with some decent storylines worth watching here. Uh, what, anyone jumping out to you more than any other? How about the one right below it, Sadiq Youssef, right out here out of Camp Springs, Maryland? He has only had one fight in 2020, and he had the tough Arnold Allen fight in 2021. But that's it. He really hasn't competed very much. I know he had, I think he had a really bad bout with COVID and probably some fight cancellations, so like a lot of fighters. So. That has derailed, you know, the normal course of events. I think that's all corrected now, obviously. Dude, I've, I've been a big believer in Sadiq Youssef. He is a very talented guy, but was a little bit too willing to not use some of his own talents. And I think paid for it against Allen, who is much more, you know, uh, adherent to a disciplined way of fighting. 
But Yusuf has all the talent in the world, I think, to be a champion, frankly, in this weight class. Less I said it. I do think he has that the ability. Whether he'll get there, we'll see. Caceres should be somebody that, you know, I know he has improved dramatically. But to me, he's a bit of a sort of a litmus test about who can do things in this division and who can't. You know, as much as I believe in Yusuf, that doesn't mean anything. He has to go and do it. So that's an interesting one. Also, his teammate, Tafan Chukwi, I think is how you pronounce his name, is at the bottom of the card in a couple of South Americans, Colombia's Sabina Mazo and then Argentina's Guido Canetti will be on this card as well. Yeah, so I'm into that fight, the Sadiq fight, of course. And how about some sleeper headlines here, Luke? Alex Padeda very quietly going right. to make his second UFC walk-on here against Bruno Silva, dude. This a fight hammer. fucking rule. They could be the co-main event, Luke. Dude, that's a that that fight. That was that's the kind of fight. I mean, they used to go with heavyweights, but the spirit of this fight is this is the kind of fight that opens your UFC on Fox card, where they just wanted two guys who they could reliably trust to ram into each other. That's exactly what you're going to get. We're not going to brawl, but you're going to get action from these two. Luke, love true or false. that fight. We're gonna we're gonna make predictions later in the week, but if Padeda has a performance in this one like he had in his debut, and because this week everybody's asking about Adesanya, and of course he had knocked Adesanya out in glory kickboxing, and he's talking shit already. Will he start to get a Chemaev-like, you know, hype wave pushing him if if he does this a second time? Alex Padeda since making the transition from kickboxing? Now, correct me if I'm wrong. In his pro debut, it ended beautifully, but the first round his was UFC a little debut. flattish. UFC debut, Luke. Okay. His, sorry. His UFC debut. It was a little flattish. Just just the first round, right? And I think he came up for the second, and then he just polished the guy off like it was nothing. Yeah, I don't right? remember the flat. I mean, he's 34 years old, so he's going to have to move quick, you know, quick to find out how great he can be. But you're talking about November of last year at UFC 268. He made the debut against Andreas Mikulidis. Yeah. And Luke, um, 18 seconds into the second round, flying knee and punches. He, 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 uh, he laid that MFR out violently. I don't remember him... Looking bad, it was just a slow start in the first round. Am I wrong, Luke? Maybe slow start. Wrong. No, no, no. I'm, I, let me be clear. I'm not saying I thought everyone was like, oh, he looked bad. He didn't get going. He didn't get going until the second, and then once he got going, you know. That hype train could be picking bye. up real quick because he's with Team <laughs> yeah. Glover, and he's making moves. Luke, also on that main card, Drew Dober, Terrence McKinney. That's another banger. McKinney, McKinney just on fought. short notice. McKinney on short notice after bulldozing Farez Ziam. Feb- he is uh, February he looks, 26th. He looks be, yeah. He looks to be another guy. This, this, this again. Sometimes we poo-poo the, some of these ESPN Plus cards. This one looks like a great one to me. Well, quite Luke, then you I, got I like Miranda Maverick. Uh, should she be coming back this quickly like this? The the split decision loss to Macy Barber. Then she pretty much got dominated on the ground by Aaron Blanchfield. Now she's back quick against Sabina Mazzo. Um, she's only twenty four, but you do have to at least voice that three straight losses at this point is is going to look pretty bad, Luke. I did think she. Beat who was the one that I thought was controversial? Was it the Barbara one? I thought she had yeah, won. Yeah, it was the, the Blanchfield one. one she a, had no choice. Was a pickem yeah. on the cards. Yeah, in a lot of the ways. Sabina Mazo one. It depends on her style that she adopts here. I actually think it's very winnable for Maverick. Maverick is a little bit better about in and out and angular striking, uh, and Mazo can fight long, but it but but as a consequence of being linear and a little bit flat footed, um, Maverick can win this one. But it really will depend on whether she can. She can deliver on that game plan, which requires like a steady drumbeat of attack to do it. But I do think she has the capability. So it is risky, BC, but it's a little bit of a calculated risk because the styles, I think, favor Maverick depending on what she shows. That's what yeah. I would say. 
Also, hey, hey, also, of- the guy who filled in last minute against Sean O'Malley with the green hair, Chris Moutinho, he's back on this card. He's on, taking on Guido Canetti. I'm telling you, this card's got little gems all the way through Dude, it. So I, didn't UFC. Even, I, I didn't see the, the green hair coming out of the undercard. I missed it. I overlooked it, Luke. Yeah, this, this is one of those, what time does that shit start? 6, 6 p.m.? I got I to gotta tune in early. I'll have that. to double check the uh, start time. I'll look in here in a second. But let's not forget, BC, we also have Bellator. BC, check this out. You have in your Bellator main event, of course, this will be Bellator 276, Boric versus Burnell at the Family Arena in uh, St. Louis, Missouri. Listen to this. In your main event, you have a 145 fight, right? Adam Boric versus Mads Burnell. Adam Boric is 28, Mads Burnell 28. How many times have we said, if you ever see two sort of high-level, promising, young prospects slash contenders in their 20s, willing to take on one another, and clearly this fight is of significance. Hello, it's headlining the effing card. Number two versus, I'm a number, uh, I'm not sure. I think these guys might be tied for number two in this division. They're, they're right behind, they're, they're, they're 1A, 1B or whatever it is. Um, you got to make time for it. You don't see a lot of young, very promising contenders crossing paths this early in their career, even in MMA. This one has action written all oh, over yeah. it. Oh, hell yeah. And, and you know, it's a, it's a straight-up number one contender bout. The winner gets the winner of the April, what, 15th rematch? Pitbull McKee 2. Luke, is that Friday, April 15th? Did I get that correct? I believe you did. Um, look, the stakes are high. Burnell, as you've talked about before, you know, 7-0 and since leaving the UFC and, and 3-0 and under the Bellator banner. Luke, he's figured out what it did. We talk a lot more about Boric on this side because – you know, Rashad used to talk him up. He, he looked great coming in. He blew away Pico. He he's sort of figured himself out and is in this spot at the right time. But Luke, would you argue that Burnell is coming on a little bit more right now in terms of who's entering with more momentum? Relative to Boric, you mean? Yes. Um Yes. Yes. Both of them have tasted a little bit of a wake-up call about, yes, they're good, but there's a lot of things in your game that are not good yet that need to be for you to really go as far as you possibly can. And so they've all had to reset. You indicated since leaving UFC, he's just, for the case of Brunel, done amazing things. And obviously, Borch had a great win over Pico, but you know he got kind of got run over um, by Darian Caldwell. So they've all got some things to work on. And I do think Burnell is a little bit more battle-tested against better uh, opposition he is coming in off that win over Emmanuel Sanchez, whereas Boric has a good win over a very, very tough Jeremy Kennedy. But I wouldn't put that on the, the exact same level. To me, I would say Emmanuel. I think you would agree, right? In that in that 145 division, you, obviously your champ, AJ McKee, then you have Pitbull. You know, you could argue who's there, but I would maybe say, honestly, uh, Emmanuel Sanchez right after that. So to me... More momentum, I don't know. But done a little bit better work against somewhat better opposition. Yes, yes, I would say yeah. that. Mm-hmm. That win that over Sanchez for, for Mads Brunel, I think, trumps uh, anything in terms of comparing these two and the fact that it's seven in a row. But, you know, Boric blew away Pico, gets a win over the husk of Pat Curry, and then beats Mike Hamill, Eric Sanchez, and Jeremy Kennedy after the Caldwell loss. Um, he has put it back together, Luke. He's... He's really good at 17 and 1, Boric. And uh, what is he still just 28 years old? Yes. Uh, man, uh, th- this is what you want. Like you mentioned, two guys in their prime, both on a great streak. Let's let's figure it out. And well, I mean, huge stakes for the winner here, Luke, unless, unless this Pitbull McKee 2 rematch is such a instant classic, Luke, and gives us all the 
answers to the questions we had that their first meeting just didn't deliver because McKee was that sensational in what a minute and a half it felt like uh we could see for all we know we could see a trilogy i always say that luke but when two guys are that evenly matched and it's that spectacular of a rematch you got to leave that door open sometimes you got to go right back to the well so well here's the thing this is why i agree with you it's like look boric is amazing 28 years old mads burnell amazing 28 years old They're, they're in the main event for a reason they might get a title shot with a victory uh as you indicated here's what i want to see though you might get the title shot by virtue of this being a good win and the placement in the division, but you got to show something in this fight that would make you believe you could beat either guy, whoever wins. Like, as it stands, would I favor Boric to beat either Pitbull or AJ McKee? I would not. As it stands, would I favor Mads Burnell to beat Pitbull or AJ McKee? I would not. After Saturday, or after Friday anyway, excuse me, Saturday, March 22nd, after Saturday, that might change depending on what they show. Probably not overnight, but what I'm saying is it's not just beating a good opponent. you got to show something that yeah. makes you think, wow, this guy might have a chance against whoever the champ may be. That's on the line here, too. It's like, hey, Lauren Murphy, we love you, but like your plan A, B, C, and D is not going to work against Shevchenko. So we can't have you go in there just trying to be yourself. We need you to to find some spectacular shit hidden in there. Hey, Mads Burnell and Boric, man, you know, wow us here. Show us that, show us that you're, you know, you are chasing that damn brass ring, Luke, okay? You know what I'm saying? Luke, I got uh, brass ones, bro, all right? You know what I mean? I mean, there got, are a few uh, you got, times you got that un, you're... You've got unbathed ones. That's what you've got. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. All right, uh, let's co-main event. Listen, man, I'm not going to lie to the audience about this one. Phil Davis and Julius Angliscus are good fighters. Phil Davis is a very good fighter. BC, I'm not. We have a responsibility. I'm telling you that there, we're going to talk about other good fights on this card. That main event is a is a no BS winner, but Davis versus Angliscus has an extremely high probability of being very boring. True or false? It styles wise, it has that potential. Yes, but we do want to find out something, Luke. Phil Davis is 37 years old, but yet he's six and two in his last day, and those only two losses came against current champion Vadim Nemkov, and one of them. You know, both close decisions. One of them, I believe, a split decision the first time around. So, uh, Phil can frustrate, Luke. And he can frustrate from the standpoint of controlling distance to give his teammates hell and never allowing them to really get clean looks at him. And he can frustrate us because, Luke, I always feel like if he just did a little bit more, he could climb over that hill that he always seems to level out at. So, this is a... In some ways, a get well. I mean, Julius Angliscus came into this tournament, the uh, the the Grand Prix, last minute. At, you know, went in there, was hungry, went after it, came up empty. But this is okay, Phil Davis. If you're still of this elite, if we're still going to continue in the, in this conversation, come out here and do this to Angliscus. Is it going to blow you away? I don't know, Luke. If I'm Julius Angliscus, though, I, I got to get Phil Davis off script. I can't spend half the time on my back. I can't be at the end of his jab. I got to get into that clinch, and I got to figure out that, look, I had a great opportunity, albeit on short notice last time, when, when he was the alternate that filled in. Now he has a, a no-excuses opportunity, a full camp. Is Anglitzkis ready for, for, for this kind of smoke, Luke? Those are the storylines coming in, but I know I didn't say enough there to, to really, you know, get you fired up, Luke. Okay, this is going to have to be a thing where they win you over on the night, Luke. They're going to have yeah. to come through that screen and grab you. And pull I have, you a, in, I have a strong uh, uh, Spidey sense that that fight is going to get epically booed. Uh, it doesn't mean it's a bad fight. It doesn't mean it's a fight that shouldn't happen. That's not my argument. 
I just feel like the way in which these two match up. Unless, here's, here's, actually, you know what? There's an exception to that. It could prove one way or the other, actually, that one guy is better. My hunch is it's possible, possible, that Davis is actually much better than Ingliscus and therefore will be able to be control and then potentially even stop him because there could be enough of a gap. But honestly, I don't know how true that is because Ingliscus, he doesn't have the most potent offense in the world, but he does have pretty good defense. Yeah, this one's going to be, this one, not that fun. Not that, It's not, not that fun. Not that fun. Yeah, Sorry. Dave, Davis is a minus 305 on DraftKings as the favorite. And Luke, in that main event, for anyone wondering, Mads Burnell, minus 220 favorite on DraftKings, plus 180, mm. Adam Borich, which does seem about right, meaning... It's about right. You know, meaning everything we said right there. Um, Luke, there's two other fights of of offering, you know, proving ground opportunities. That middleweight bout, John Salter against a streaking Johnny Eblen, and then that lightweight bout opening the main card of J.J. Wilson against Godzi Rabotinov. Are, are you in agreement that these are opportunities for Eblen and Wilson particularly to to show us what, what they're really all about in the rankings? So Eblen out of ATT taking on John Salter. Salter's a guy who's been around that Bellator cage a long time. Good grappler, well-rounded, can wrestle and can grapple, can mix the two. Johnny Eblen does that as well. So this is going to be a test of like how well can he do that. But he is undefeated. He's a big, strong kid. No one's been paying attention to him. I shouted him out after his last win on this show. I'm telling you, if you guys don't know who Johnny Eblen is, he has a tough fight in Salter. But if he gets past it, He's probably going to start moving through that top of that middleweight division very, very quickly, right? J.J. Wilson, another guy out of uh, New Zealand. I saw him training with uh, Justin Flores, who is um, the, who is a grappling coach to many MMA fighters. Keenan Cornelius was for a time, Ronda Rousey, and now a different a lot of guys. Uh, Patty Pimblett, he was training with J.J. Wilson as well. So J.J. Wilson is putting in work with good people, good coaches. He has shown a ton of promise, undefeated. I like everything about him, and Godzi Rabatinov is a fucking hammer. So this is another yeah. great fight that's just really – this is what I mean. Like, I don't love the co-main event on this card, candidly, but there's a lot of other ones. BC, I can't believe you didn't spotlight Deanna Avsaragova. Well, I was going to ask you, <laughs> the women's flyweight, the 20, what, 23-year-old, she's 4-0, 2-0 in the Bellator cage. She'll be taking on Kara Batara, but Luke, this uh, – Native of Russia tends to light up the IG, if you know what I mean. That's what I've heard, Luke. Yes, I've heard rumors. I wouldn't know anything about that, BC. This is something so, I would never look, look I mean, look, into. true or false, Bellator implores some of those. Employees, excuse they, me. They, they, seem, they seem to have a, you know, the, a I'll, say, I'll say this. That <laughs> part of the talent ball. scouting department is in full swing. <laughs> Uh, are we secretly employed in that in that role? Uh, Luke, Cody Law has made some noise winning all five of his pro fights. All five have come under the Bellator flag. He's got a featherweight bout against James Adcock. Should we be paying attention to Cody Law yet, though? Yeah, you should be. He just fought at Bellator uh, last was 271, I think. He looks to be – this is another one of these guys. Remember, we've talked about Bellator is a little bit different than UFC. They do feature, obviously, a lot of high-end talent, but they can also get high-end talent from composite sports and give them a place to start and really slowly work their way up. UFC can't and doesn't really offer that because they're much more exclusively about just the elite end of, of the sport. And so Bellator, while it doesn't have all of those many names and those resources, it does have a comparative advantage by what it can offer younger prospects. Dylan Dennis has totally blown that, but... Cody Law has not. He has made full use of it, and every time he goes out there, 
he gets a little bit better and a little bit better. If you look at these fights, BC, they look like opponents he would get on the regional scene. But Bellator would probably tell you that's on purpose. Those are the fights he should be getting in. We just put it under our banner so they can have a long-term, I think, relationship with him. Cody Law is a guy you would want to pay attention to 100%. Look, I got to do say one more thing. I got to put the BC stamp of the super sloppy, special, secret, uh, under-the-radar fight that no one's talking about. This prelim uh, YouTube and Pluto TV main event on this card, the featured prelim bout, light heavyweights Alex Easy Polizzi, and Jose Augusto, who was the dude who filled in last minute for Romero and went in there against Rumble Johnson in the Grand Prix, and he went for it. He had Rumble on the rocks a couple times, Luke. This is going to be um, going to be a, a sloppy special one, I'm telling you. Okay, so so make sure you don't you don't miss that shit, Luke. I, I'm telling B- you, live from get, Deadwood. We got to get an alarm on the show where it's like BC's slop alert. Yeah, you know yeah. what I'm saying, and like get Cause, graphics cause where like this like know chili you dogs. Like Extra sloppy, you know, lady, you're scaring us, all right? Yeah, yeah. We need we need some graphics for that. We need BC's uh, official slop counter. Yeah, there are some other good ones. Oh, by the way, undefeated Romero Cotton, who was a standout in the wrestling world, he's on this card as well. BC, very quickly, just want to make a note of it so that, the you know, we, 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 we are being fair. Uh, let's see. One has an event. It's called Lights Out. It'll be obviously in Singapore. It has five MMA bouts, three kickboxing bouts, and then two MMA Muay Thai bouts. We won't get into that part, but there are two titles on the line, BC. Tan Lee, your existing 155 champion, taking on Gary Tonin, uh, mm-hmm. one of the John Danaher Death Squad guys, and then also in the co-main event, Bibiana Fernandez, John Lineker. Tonin is a guy a lot of Americans have had, and a lot of people have had their eyes on. His last fight was, let's see, it was in 2020. He hasn't competed since then. This is a huge task for him. Any expectations here? Uh, no, um, Luke. I, I'm not going to do the Risen bit all over again, but this this fell below my radar. In fact, when you say they're calling the pay-per-view lights out, that's that's where my cable and setup will be when this card airs. Luke, okay, uh, enough. Why should I care, Luke? Go ahead. All I right. don't want, and then, and then I don't one care. last word for uh, Fight Pass customers. There will be a LFA card in Brazil. In Brazil, and in your main event, Jonas... Uh, Bellarino, who, by the way, won with a spinning wheel kick on Contender Series and I guess didn't get a contract. He's going to be headlining in this one. So you, I, I teed it up for you to talk about it. You didn't do it. Luke, do you care about Eagle FC 46 this weekend? Here's the thing. I'm happy to see the return of Kevin Lee. And I, I, I'm, I'm always happy to see another promoter join the mix and give fighters a chance and they're on a different network. Like, like In that sense, I am excited about it. You know, I don't know if Diego should be fighting, bro. I really no, don't. Man. So it's it's it goes down Friday night. I think it's a six p.m. Eastern start, Luke. I don't Something know where like you that, can find yeah. it. Eagle FC, uh, maybe on that website that it was on last time. What was that? Uh, it was on FLX some, or something. Yeah, some shit like that. But hey, Ray Borg, Ricky Bandejas at at uh, that's a good fight. That's at, a good at Phantom. Fight. I don't hate that shit, Luke. Okay, no. and then there's a bunch of. Uh, future Smash Factory opponents. Honey Marks makes his return on this undercard, Luke, okay? Yeah, okay. I mean, I, I, I can Reggie that, Pena, but, all right? But, but, Reg- but the return of Kevin Lee, I am excited to see how he looks. And yeah, future champion, future champion, Luke. Future Eagle FC champion. Um, all right, let's yeah. go to topic number two here, BC, if we can. We turn now to Kayla Harrison. So the PFL put out a big press release. They have re-signed her to what they call a multi-year agreement. Now, the terms of this were not clear. Here is what we understand. The UFC did make an offer, but apparently it wasn't a very good offer. 
it does turn out that Bellator made a very good offer to her. But for folks who may not know, what often happens with these MMA fighters is they'll have a place where um, if they get an offer, they're allowed to field offers at certain intervals from other organizations. But the organization from which they originally came often has the ability to match an offer uh, if they want to. And that's exactly what happened here. Bellator did make an offer, it turns out, for Kayla Services, and a good one at that, apparently. But PFL matched it. BC, she got blocked by Cyborg on Twitter. But PFL is saying part of this deal is that they're going to go and move heaven and earth to find a way to get Kayla to fight the big fights that she can. Julia Budd left Bellator for PFL, so that will be a big fight for her in PFL if they can make it, and I'm sure they will. And they announced a super fight kind of showcase division where uh, fighters of all different... Paper, which we'll, I, I was going to get to that. I was going to get to that, which is going to go on pay-per-view and will feature, you know, as you can imagine, the guys who could probably, or the ladies who could move the units in that space. How do you feel about Kayla not going to UFC, not going to Bellator, staying at PFL? Yeah, so we've said from the beginning that PFL was the most likely end destination. Just because, Luke, I always assumed they had the opportunity to produce the most money for her. And it's not just the $1 million opportunity with their seasonal tournament format. But, you know, they've got the ESPN contract. They've got a lot of celebrity investors. You would think there's a if somebody can dig deep and say, this is the face of our of our brand. And right now, you could very easily argue that Kayla Harrison is the face of the PFL. It seemed like that was the going to be the end goal. And, and credit to Scott Coker and Bellator for making an effort. They obviously outside of the UFC, have by far, by far, the best fight possible for Harrison if she could fight Cyborg. But there are potential layers to this. So straight up, did Kayla end up doing what was best for her financially? I think so in the end. And she's 31 years old, Luke, which is certainly not panic mode, but it is let's find out now how great you can be mode. I have to say from that standpoint, I'm disappointed. I'm not disappointed with Kayla. I'm disappointed as a fan that this turned out to be a tease, her showing up in the UFC, sitting front row for Peña Nunes, and knowing that she'd gone back and forth with the other two big suitors, Bellator and UFC, and to just put her right back where she is, okay, new season, but I like a Julia Budd fight for sure, but it's also Bud moving up in weight to lightweight, you know, and it's also, uh, who else you got outside of there? Megan Anderson said she's not coming through that door, so... Um, little disappointed, Luke, unless, and this is, again, not disappointing to Kayla, I, I don't, I, Luke, the UFC, they have leverage over her, right? Because she's got to go there eventually. So it's easy for them to say, well, we're not going to overpay you now. If you want to do it, come earn it. And so from that standpoint, I have no problem with Kayla signing the biggest check available. But something's got to be with this cryptic sort of thing in the in the press release about she'll be the face of this new PFL pay-per-view division because Luke if that division or whatever this means somehow allows for partnerships with other promotions like Bellator to try to make this Kayla Cyborg fight happen then we this could get interesting because then it goes beyond Kayla it goes to could we have some kind of scenario where everybody who's not UFC gets together and does some type of super cards or majors. Now, could something like that fall apart before it even starts? Yeah, in a million ways. It's, it's as unlikely as anything, Luke. In pro wrestling, remember in the 80s when Vince McMahon and WWF went global and everybody else tried to create these super clashes and they all screwed each other out of the money and it never quite worked out. 
No, I, I, don't, I, I don't remember that. Yeah, I'm sure you don't. I feel, Luke, like I said to you on this show a couple episodes ago, you know, could the UFC ever get in the way of something like that happening since PFL airs on ESPN? You know, I wonder. But, Luke, if this is not leading to Kayla versus Cyborg within the next year, which Kayla's manager, Ali Abdelaziz, uh, I saw Aaron Bronstetter quote tweeting some of the things he got from an interview with him. That seems to be the plan. Cyborg, I, I believe Luke has one fight left under Bellator Deer, or if not, you know, only a couple left. She, Cyborg has tweeted and teased that she's close to becoming a free agent. If this is all about let's just create a structure in place where Chris Cyborg can come over for one or two fights when she's a free agent and we can finally give Kayla at 31 a true test of where she's at, then Luke, at the end of the day, as a fan, you're going to be all in. If this opens the door for promotion versus, you know, versus promotion pay-per-views, then as a fan, of course you're all in. But if this is just Kayla, you know, slicing through the, the, the wheat fields with the sickle with no resistance, next contract she's going to end up at the UFC because she's going to have to because that's how she's wired. She wants to find out how great she can be, Luke. So I don't, I don't um, quite understand your argument. Are you saying she could have signed another deal? She couldn't have signed another deal. This was it. Because, because are you saying because PFL had matching rights, I mean, she did receive offers from, from the UFC. I'm saying, so you, are you saying to me that contractually, even if she accepted the UFC offer, if PFL matched it, then that's end of story. Correct. So you're that saying is, inevitably. That's exactly how it works. So you're saying inevitably she had no other choice. This is where she's at. It was either sign this deal or you, ha or you could just retire. Yeah, there's then no I other am, choice. Then I am counter saying to you that that most of my argument still holds up, but my key question is, what is the cryptic pay-per-view shit about? Are they going to wait outside? Yes, I'm so glad you brought there? this up. I'm so glad you brought this up. You know what's so funny, dude? <laughs> I remember when Bjorn Rebney announced something very similar to this with Bellator in 2014, and it was months, not even weeks after he got the ax, and they brought in Scott Coker. I'll never forget that. I was like, so wait a second. Because now... PFL is a little bit different. Bjorn Rebney was, you know, he had a hard-on for tournaments. I mean, he was convinced the matchmaker model is shit. The tournament model is the only thing that matters. And they were, it was like the zone with pay-per-view. Remember that? Pay-per-view is dead, bro. It's like, well, then why are you doing pay-per-view? Um, they were they, Bjorn Rebney was like that with tournaments. And so when he made this, thing, this idea where it's like, okay, if you've been in a tournament or if you've won a tournament, I forget what the rules were, you could be in this pool of fighters that don't have to do that and you can just fight each other. And we're like, so you're just going to do the matchmaker model now? PFL has never adhered to that same kind of sensibility, but it was weird that they're announcing the exact same thing, and for really the exact same reasons. The tournaments are tough, and they're valuable, and they're awesome, but you have certain people that either don't want to go in them again or don't need to go in them again or you know, pick, pick your choice there. Kayla Harrison, I guess, you know, at this point, doesn't really have a choice. If they can't get her a super fight, who the fuck else are they going to fight? So they have to do it. I just don't know how feasible it is. Here we see Aaron Bronstetter's tweet. The PFL are launching a new pay-per-view super fight division, said the CEO, Peter Murray, quote, where star MMA fighters will compete on a global stage against the best fighters in the sport, which is very generic. He's not saying a whole lot. Dude, this is almost, not quite, it's different, but it's very similar to the very thing that got Bjorn Rebney fired from Bellator because it undercuts what they're all about. I think PFL can be more nimble, and I think they can live in two worlds. But it tells you that their existing structure literally isn't enough for them to retain top talent. They have to change things, maybe for the better, but they definitely have to change.
Well, to be fair, uh, Bronstead are tweeting that Ali Abdelaziz told them that this deal makes Kayla the, the highest paid female in women's MMA history. Now, we don't have proof of that, Luke. You know, in women in MMA history, excuse me. But um, but you know, we're gonna assume that they had to kick in. I mean, you know, because Bellator probably gave him a great offer. PFL had to really kick it in. So I know Kayla's getting taken care of financially. But Luke, the same question I spun at you when you when you were talking about Bjorn, I didn't get an answer from you. Do you think this pay-per-view division is set up with the hope that other promotions will either send over their talent in exchange for something, or this could be some type of double promotion, co-promotion pay-per-view? Or do you believe that this is set up as a just a foundation for luring Chris Hyborg when her deal is up with Bellator? Because, as you know, and that's why I sort of started that whole rant of saying, you know, for Kayla, this is probably the best decision in the end. But as a fan, unless she's fighting Cyborg soon, this, this, this is, okay, we're still waiting for her to finally, you know, match herself against the very best. Let me, so, let me just spin this around a little bit, and I thought well, about this. Well, how about this. you answer my question? Well, I, I, I will, I will, but I want to I answer it in this way. This is the thing I keep coming back to. I'm with you. It's like, who's she going to fight if they can't, you know, you make a, you're making vague promises to get Kayla a fight on pay-per-view with the super fight division, not just her, other ones. You know, we'll see who gets put on that designation. But here's just the thing. It goes to, back to me about the UFC thing. It's like, listen, if Bellator made her an offer and PFL had matching rights and they matched it, they met every letter of it and that, that's good for Kayla because that means she got she got PFL to pay more than they ordinarily would have by virtue of, of a Bellator offer like this is you know categorically a good thing fighter pay matters because that's the game it's prize fighting someone fights someone gets money for it that's it that's what this is about so if you can get a huge amount of it for a relatively easy schedule you you in many ways you've already won but for you know customer satisfaction and also for her own sake we're not getting here but I, I answer it this way on the UFC side, I was thinking about this. Now, obviously, the situations are, in many ways, very, very different. I'm not making a total comparison. It is hard for me to believe that as difficult as it is to find fights for Kayla Harrison, even at 145, that that's actually any harder than it act was for them to matchmake CM Punk. And he got a couple cracks at it. Now, I grant he has a much higher threshold for pay-per-view returns, although that didn't work out either. But I get from a strategy standpoint, you could at least um, pencil that in. But, dude, we're talking about the greatest judoka in American history. No man has a gold medal. Y'all, she's got two of them. It's not even close. This is a next-generation-level athlete. She can't get a crack in the UFC during the middle of her prime because they wanted to cheap out. And I understand the mechanics of it, B.C., they don't have to pay for it. I grant they don't have to do anything that they don't want to do. I just think it says a lot about the business that people are talking about how hard it is for her to make fights. Dudes, they could make fights for her if they really wanted to. They may not be the best fights, but what is she going to get at PFL that is dramatically better unless Cyborg either comes over or they make some kind of co-promotion? Well, the, 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 the UFC angle here is a little bit unexplored. Well, no. I mean, look, to, to get the most out of her, you'd have to bring her in, Kayla, to the UFC and... You have to adopt my idea of women's heavyweight and open up the weight class a little bit, and then you have any number of huge fights to make. Even if they didn't That's do true. that and they said, look, you've got to cut to 145 twice a year for us, you still could make some pretty big fights, and we're going to find out right away if that happened, how great Kayla is, and maybe Cyborg ends up becoming a free agent and going back to UFC, although there's hurdles there. We don't know that. But my question to you never got answered, Luke. Sorry. 
because we don't have answers. That was a cryptic pay-per-view announcement. But within that cryptic announcement, is it more likely in your eyes that PFL's plan and hope is that Cyborg becomes a free agent very shortly and signs with them, or that PFL can lure Bellator into some type of super fight card co-promotion thing in which fighters from both promotions fight against each other? Is that a possibility? Or do you think this is more about let's entrench uh, Kayla where she is now and hope that anyone non-UFC will come this way and we'll make pay-per-view fights? So what I would say is I find the idea of Kayla leaving Scott Coker to join PFL. uh, Sorry, the idea of, yes, the idea of Cyborg leaving Scott Coker to go fight Kayla in PFL. I find that certainly possible. It is possible. I find it very unlikely. She's been working with Scott Coker for almost the entirety of her career, certainly in major parts of the beginning and major parts now with obviously a little bit of UFC in between. But they have a very, very good relationship, and Scott Coker understands Cyborg. They have a, they, they, they just work really well together from what I can tell. Also, it should be noted, um, well, I'll say this. So, so to me, like the, the idea of her going over there, I just, yes, it could happen. It seems unlikely. You asked about co-promotion. Folks seem to think this is some silly idea. It's really not. The UFC, granted, they co-promoted with Mayweather for Conor Mayweather, but okay, we all agree that's a really weird, very one-off. Expecting the UFC to co-promote seems like maybe a bridge too far. But the sub-UFC level, your Bellator, your One, your PFLs, there are a lot of opportunities these guys aren't exploring. And if folks are asking, well, who would want to do it? Strikeforce, under Scott Coker, partnered with M1, partnered with Ryzen, partnered with Elite XC even briefly to put on one of their fights, um, partnered with Dream. The, Scott Coker has a long history of partnering, yes, more predominantly with Japanese promotions, but working with uh, other promoters who have some elite talents to make some things work. It's time to put your put that history of good work to use now. Everyone thinks that if a promotion co-promotes with another promoter, there ha- it's a zero-sum game. There has to be a loser. And it is true, BC, that if you look on some of the old one cards, even from 2019, they had Shuto versus Pancrase fights on the card listed as like that. And Shuto and Pancrase have been decades old rivals. So you can, you can put fights like that, but you don't have to. You don't have to put anyone's belt on the line. You can put a super cup, whatever the fuck you want to call it, trophy on the line. You could have one fight, right? Your main event is Bellator versus whoever, uh, Cyborg versus Kayla. And then the other fights on there don't have to be that way, or you could have other contracts where you know it's one side is uh, if someone loses they get a rematch on the other side. Or there are there are arrangements that what I'm trying to point out here is there are numerous arrangements that could be made to make this work. It is up to the promoters to do things that they haven't done in a while and start shaking hands across the aisle because you can make really really good MMA if you combine the sub UFC elements together. I mean, it's a fan dream. It would be it would be incredible. Now, here's the quote. One more from Ali to Aaron Bronstetter. I am 100% sure that a fight with Cyborg will happen either at the end of this year or early next year. The only one who can prevent it is Cyborg, end quote. I, I think best scenario for fans is some kind of whole, either. I mean, look, best scenario for fans is that dream scenario we just talked about of We'll take the four biggest Bellator stars. You take the four biggest PFL stars. We'll do some super card, and hopefully UFC and ESPN won't get in the way of it, and we'll do it on pay-per-view. If not, a home-and-home series, two-fight deal, Cyborg versus Kayla Harrison, right? One on ESPN pay-per-view, one on 
Frick, CBS for all I know, right? Showtime pay-per-view, whatever you and want you to could, do. By the way, hold on. You could you could change weight classes. You could have one in the PFL cage, one in the rounded Bellator cage. There's a lot of ways you can Absolutely. But the point is, as fans, for this deal to really make us happy and excited and make the most sense for Kayla's character arc, those Ali quotes have to be true. Kayla Harrison needs to fight Chris Cyborg within the next 12 months to really... Because, Luke... That's the last big hurdle. If she gets by that and gets by it, you know, demonstratively, destructively, if Kayla Harrison finishes Cyborg, right? Like, maybe not as quick and dynamite as Amanda Nunes, as dominant. I mean, that was just mind-blowing. But if she does that, this is the last deal that she's not going to be in the UFC, Luke, because she's going to have that air to her like she might be the one. She might be the New Hope, episode four. She might be the one from Tatooine, the greatest female this sport has ever seen, Luke. And, you know, maybe the way this was set up with PFL always having matching rights, unless UFC was just going to offer something that PFL could never afford, then this was always going to end this way. Maybe that's the case. But next deal, she's the female Brock Lesnar for the UFC. If she's as good as she thinks she is and that we think she might have the chance of becoming, Luke. And that's why I love that idea of women's heavyweight so much because you're opening the pool for every fight to be a must-see fight because they're all going to be names one after another against the mighty Kayla Harrison. It's going to feel like Rousey a little bit. It's going to feel like Lesnar a little bit, Luke. There's some big money to be made for everybody, but it won't happen for a couple of years. We don't know the specifics of this Kayla PFL deal, but you got to – I mean, it's at least one year, right, Luke? At least. Uh, no, they called it multi-year. They called it multi-year. Okay, so do you think it's it, – let's say – Two years. I don't know the options, but let's say two years. Let's say in that two years, she beats Cyborg and Julia Budd and whoever else. It's time, Luke. 33, it's time. I agree. I agree. I, ho- I hope the promoters out there really understand what they're what they're not doing. And they're just leaving fans um, not high and dry. But there's just a lot of creative possibilities that no one seems to be willing to make. And I would like to see somebody, somebody, somebody try something a little bit different. Luke, is it possible right. that UFC knew about this clause of the matching and that was sort of part of why they they didn't take it monster seriously? I still feel like them giving her that ticket in the front row for Nunes Pena shows how serious they were. They but here's the thing, after Amanda loses, maybe their like their own internal dialogue was like, "Oh, right. Well, I don't want to pay." I mean, that was the what yeah. we wanted. Now we can't. So why am I going to pay? Like there's could be there could be a lot of reasons why it went the way that it did to your point, but I guess we'll have to see. I guess we'll have to see. I'll say this. If PFL and Eagle or PFL and Bellator can make a deal, I'm, I'm willing to pay for it just to encourage promoters to start trying things. Okay. Because the siloing off of worlds, it's fine, but it could be so much better. Yeah. All right. I mean, what BC. does PFL have to offer for us? Kevin Lee and Ray Borg? I'll take it, Luke. Okay, I'll take <laughs> you mean, it. You mean Eagle. Uh, all right. Uh, let's talk about Islam Makachev, BC. So he did an interview with our colleague, Brett Okamoto. few different pieces with it. He's not let's our start... colleague, Luke, but he's our friend, okay? So just say that right, okay? And and, and, at the, uh, and, at, and at the MMA Awards, he was our friend who had had a lot to drink. Yo, he, was drunk. he was drunk as a skunk, Luke. <laughs> I, was like, I, I, was like, I was like, Brett, is your cologne vodka? Like, what are we doing here, guy? You I can smell you from here. All right, I'm teasing. Let's talk about a few different things he mentioned. In the interview, I watched it before the show, he gets right to it, Brett does, about what happened with RDA because he did tweet out that he wanted it. They went back and forth. And then Dana says, I went to sleep. Then I wake up the next day and the fight fell through. I, you know, blah, blah, blah. And he said, Islam didn't want it. Islam tells Brett, well, I did want it. I explicitly went out of my... No one called me, he said. I called Ali. I called 
told Ali, you call UFC right now. I want it. And he said he had made a little condition that UFC didn't want to meet. RDA said it was because he wanted a million dollars. Islam says it's not true. BC, my hunch is what Islam wanted was some money for short notice turnaround. He told Brett Okamoto he had canceled his vacation. He was actually in the middle of vacation. He canceled everything to go to Vegas and make this fight happen. He probably wanted to be financially compensated for it. And UFC was like, yeah, no, we don't do that here. <laughs> so they just said, oh, he turned it down. Fair or unfair? Uh Somebody's lying here, Luke. Somebody's lying. And, you know, I think we know knee-jerk who we think is lying. So, first of all, I was hoping that that million dollars was true. I even tweeted about it. Why? Because as, although it's aggressive, this is finally the UFC fighters, you know, digging the line back in the sand and saying, this is what I'm worth. Are you going to get it? Well, no, not now. But at least you're doing that. I, I, I believe when I see... Islam come out and be like, no, I, I never said a million dollars. So, Luke, he was very cryptic about whatever that thing was that he wanted, that very small thing. Some people have speculated that it was uh, a guaranteed title shot, which I think a win there would have given him that anyway. And I think he deserves it right now, although, you know, Dana's framing it as you turned it down, you lose this opportunity, which is, it's just bullshit, Luke. But I think also, um, you know, when he... When you're in the spot and you're in your Islam Mahachev, I don't know, Luke. It just feels like there's forces against him making this giant leap of success to happen. It just, you know what I mean? Like it feels like there's like extra Actually, hurdles. What do you being, mean by what do you what it, do you mean by that? That's curious. I'm, I'm it just could it could just be a Connor thing. Like we got Connor coming back. Let's oh, right. let's see the lay of the land first. We got Dana openly saying, I don't know. You know, it depends on who's champion. If Oliveira wants it. But this seems to me, if we believe that Dana's lying, and again, the truth could be in the middle. It usually is, right? But 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 we've also seen, have we not seen Dana White in the UFC publicly lie about how things went down? We've seen it time and again, Luke, okay? So you have to keep that in perspective. But yes, this looks to me like a calculated effort to keep Islam, you know, stiff-armed and at bay. Not just like, let's keep him at bay so we don't have to pay him, but... Let's open the door for McGregor first to come back. That's just what it feels like, Luke. I love the fact that um, that he's coming back this hard, though, and saying, you know, no, I, I, I never turned it down. And, you know, why, why Dana, why? Uh, Luke, it, it looks really bad. I mean, this it's, it's fighter versus promoter all over again. It just, it, it seems, it, it feels very transparent here. Do you believe listen, listen. Islam as much as I do? Listen, it's entirely possible. Here's my only point. It is entirely possible that both sides making unreasonable demands or expectations. Islam came in with some demand that he knew, uh, you know, UFC had a very little chance of happening. He didn't frame it that way. He thought it was very easy for them to do. But I'm just saying, could be that. And UFC could be like, yeah, we don't, you know, like we don't pay fighters to do shit like this. So no. So or or you know, we're gonna wait on McGregor or whatever the situation may be. Okay, I I. I I'm not unsympathetic to that reality, but the only thing I want the folks at home to understand is you got to understand something. I'm not making this up. When Tito got replaced by Rich Franklin on Ultimate Fighter, Dana White openly lied on the record. And then when he was called on, it was like, yeah, who cares? I don't, you can hold me to it or don't. Like, I don't care about it. I lied on the record. So I'm not saying he's lying here, but what I am saying is when he comes out and says X fighter turned Y fight down, that's not the Ten Commandments. That's not written in stone. There could be a whole lot of differences between they turned it down and what the actual reality is. Maybe Islam was unreasonable. Maybe he wasn't. I'm just saying 
Dana saying the fighter turned it down, I would very much take that with a grain of salt. Yeah, absolutely. And the other point I was going to say was that, you know, there's some speculation of is that small thing that that Islam wanted um, to get his title the shot title in shot, Abu Dhabi yeah. later this year, which was a part of it. But look, a lot of people tweeting from the beginning when we talked about the beginning of this last episode and saying, hey, guys, just so you know, there's about a 99% chance that wasn't Islam Mahachev that tweeted out that he wants to fight RDA and that it was definitely Ali Abdelaziz. Your thoughts on that, Luke? It's certainly possible. I know that he has, uh, for a lot of these, I mean, not all of them, I'm not sure how much he does it anymore, but certainly we all know that he has used his fighter's social media accounts to promote fights or various interests or whatever. Here's the thing, though. Like, if Islam really didn't want it, I don't think he would go through with this interview. Now, again, it could have been Ali tweeting, who knows, but I do think Islam wanted it. I do think he did make the request, whether it was uh, a... a special consideration for a title shot or more money. And then UFC was like, yeah, no, not, not we're just, we'll just take somebody else. Plus, if you have Hanato Moikana, who's going to come in, who costs less than Islam Makachev anyway, he's going to do a five-round fight anyway. Why on earth would you pay RDA? It's like, it's like in dude, the Marine Corps, dude. They always, they always would, they would hire contractors to build shit. They would always give it to the lowest bidder. Like, who yeah, would do this Dana for the cheapest? Out of his way to shit on him. Dana could have been like, yeah, we talked to Islam, but it didn't work out. Instead, Dana goes out of his way to be like, no, he doesn't want the fight. We, you know what I mean? So it's like, it's, right, right. you see right through that. But, you know, <laughs> right. uh, Islam did give some interesting quotes on other things, Luke. Did you see his yes. comments on the main event? He said, uh, of UFC 272, he said, I'm going to take this belt, defend it like three times, five times, and I'm going to come to the welterweight division. Yes. I saw this fight. I witnessed front row when Masvidal versus Kovey. Colby, honestly, I really believe I can beat these guys one night, both of these both guys. Dude, now, obviously, yeah. that's broken English, and it, I'm, I'm struggling to even read it, but I love I love it. I love the confidence. I love the balls. Luke, what do you think Dude, about I saw him? This, now, look, and I saw you got to run through lightweight first. You got yes. to hammer out these hammers first. But do you see him as a potential two-division threat here? I haven't up to this point, but I really loved his answer because he was like, well, what did you see? Because Brett was like, well, what did you see? He goes, because Colby, he have just wrestling. I can beat him easy. His striking is very slow. And the other guy, Masvidal, I think he's so old now. He just makes some money. He maybe have a couple more fights and he's going to retire. You have to see Islam's face when he says this. He says this with the breeziness of someone asking him what the time is. Like, in no way was he exaggerating. It doesn't mean he's right, but I'm saying his internal interpretation of that challenge is exactly that way. Now, to your point, BC, it's like pump the brakes, homie. You, you, we didn't see you against RDA. We got to see you against Dariush, and then we'll see what happens after that. And even Dariush, by the way, is is a hammer himself. He is no easy feat, so or easy guy to beat. So the point I'm trying to make here is, I love the idea. I I am excited about the possibility of 170 um, for the future. But there's so many things in front of him. All right, Let's, answer this. This is an important question. Because I didn't, I didn't go out of my way to, to try to become Team Islam, right? I mean, I love his game. I love his potential. I love his attitude. But, I, you know, there's other guys you are like, oh, that's a BC fighter. He loves that guy. It affects his, you know, he's, that's his version of Luke's Anthony Smith. I get that. But with this said, Luke, um, why does Islam not deserve it right now? I know a lot of people say, well, BC doesn't have enough top 10 wins. He's got 10 wins in a row. And I know, okay, like, it's not like I'm building the foundation of my argument on that Bobby Green win. It was what it was, and yet he took care of it and hammered it. But, you know, last time I checked, Luke, a a, a victory over your friend from CKB, that still matters, right? That win still matters, and there's been 10 of them in the row. 
And oh, by the way, he's coached by Habib. So what the hell's the problem? Why is Dana coming on there and throwing him under the bus? Why does he have to clear another hurdle? Tell me, newfound Islam superfan, what I'm missing here, Luke. Nothing. Nothing. I mean, if you talk to the people on Twitter who, you know, where a compliment is an insult and an insult is a compliment, I don't know what they might say. But I think some of the things I've seen are, well, you know, why, why rattle the cage about the RDA fight if you just intended to back out? And it's like... I don't know that he did that, that you're, you're taking White's framing of the situation as a guaranteed assumption. So there is that. I mean, you could argue if you really wanted to. Listen, in the world of Conor McGregor, nothing means anything, right? Like all these things are like, well, fighters need to make sure they have more wins. What about Conor? Well, he don't need shit because he's popular. In that <laughs> world, I, like, what, is, what does Islam need too? Like, oh, he has to match that. We're in a world where they can do what the matchmakers can do whatever they want. If they want to give Conor the title shot, they can. If they wanted to sign some guy off the street and give him a title shot, short of the commission intervening, they can. Yeah. So Look, so this idea like, like, well, he doesn't have enough elite wins. Okay, I've seen guys with title shots who got more wins, but that's a little bit bullshit. It's like when uh, Matt Damon's character in Rounders had the balls to tell Ke- Teddy KGB not to splash the pot and splash the chips. And he goes, in my fucking club, I will smash the pot whenever the fuck I want to. All night long. Chick, chick, chick. You know what I'm saying, Luke? Alligator blood. Pay that man his money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Uh, what all a- right, BC. Look, real- seriously, last of our lifetime, it's a top five movie of our movie-watching lifetime. Say it. Just say it out loud and agree to it's it. It's not even close to top five. It's, I love it, but it's not top five. You you Carl Sagan-reading motherfucker, Luke, okay? BC's like, yo, White Chicks, that's my number one movie, bro. <laughs> Uh, BC, real Look, quick, I'm topic in number Deadwood four. right now, dude. I'm in Deadwood. <laughs> this is crazy. Uh, and you've got Deadwood. I bet on top of it. All right, topic number four, Bellator 279. Real quickly, <laughs> this, was announced, this was announced for April 23rd. We'll go through this very quickly. BC, this is a hell of a card. It's the kickoff Are of the Bantamweight. Are we fucking fighting, Luke? What is going on right now? I don't know. With the All Bellator right. Bantamweight Grand Prix, you have two of those fights on this card, plus Elamalee McFarlane taking on Justine Kish, plus the rematch. I mean, we don't need to see Cyborg Blenko right away because Cyborg ran through it the first time, but it's not a oh, bad fight Oh, how dare you? Don't, no, we, we will not besmirch Arlene Blenko in this household. I'm not besmirching she, her. I'm just saying, did we need this fight right away? Didn't she's make one of my favorite of fighters. Look, I'm sorry. You're going to have to deal with it, okay? Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Sergio Pettis is going to be in this bantamweight tourney. He, of course, is the existing weight class champion. He's taking on teammate Ralphie Stotts in the Grand Prix. So as we know, the title moves through whoever has it as it goes along. Those are going to be five-round fights. BC, they're teammates. This is a... And by the way, Patchy Mix versus Kyoji Horiguchi. Dude, this also car- let's this stop part. right there. This card rules. This is yeah, big good. news for Bellator. It's not only going back to Hawaii where they found a you know, rabid fan base, as we already knew, just waiting for them. Lee McFarlane came out that night like she was, you know, a homecoming Super Bowl champion. I mean, it was just like... Love and energy. Bellator's going to be there two nights, but this Saturday night, the night card, April 23rd, it, it bangs. Uh, Luke, yes, main event alone. This is how we're going to kick off this Grand Prix, the champion going against his teammates, somebody as red hot as Rafion Stotts. Look, this fight alone makes this card fantastic, but you get a co main of Cyborg Blenko, too. And I know, okay, didn't Cyborg, you know, defeat her handily when they fought when? Uh, October of 2020? Yeah, but. You know, Blenko did what top contenders do. They go back to the well, Luke. They get two impressive victories, and here we are again. And 
you're just going to add in to kick off the card? Patchy mix Kyoji Horiguchi in this tournament with Lima Lee McFarlane coming home against Justine Kitsch? I mean, like, look, this rules. This is a great move by Scott Coker. Um, if, even if you think the other stuff is just, you know, garland and, and dressing, these two Bantamweight bouts alone good lord, is among the best fights you can make at this weight division in the world. So this is what gets you fired up. And also, it just it should be noted, uh, for folks who are new to MMA, this may not make a lot of sense, but in the early, in the late 90s, and especially in the early 2000s, Hawaii was a, and it still remains in, in, as in terms of a place where talent comes from, but in terms of a place where also major shows were held, like Rumble on the Rock and whatnot, Hawaii was a hotbed, and Blaisdell Arena was one of the premier points of MMA. When Robbie Lawler left UFC for the first time, he went to a few places, not least of which was Icon Sport, which used to be known as Super Brawl back in the day. Um, and a lot of UFC fighters fought in Super Brawl before they even came to UFC. What I'm trying to say is there was a lot of questions for many years about when UFC is going back to Bel or back to Hawaii, and they wanted a bunch of money from the tourism board, and Hawaii, the tourism board, told them to go pound sand, and Bellator was like, we'll take it up. So it's been real smart of Scott Coker and Bellator to find a place that kind of been neglected a little bit by some of the more elite MMA organizations Absolutely. that has a deep, rich tradition. You can put shows back there. They're going to air on Showtime. Dude, this is a big win for a lot of different people. I mean, I don't know the bracket. Do we know the bracket? Is the no. winner of Pettis So I texted, I texted um, uh, Danny Brenner from Bellator today. I was like, have you guys put out the bracket? And I just didn't see it. No, they haven't put it out yet. There are a couple of reasons why he explained to me. I can't quite get into it, but they are going to release it soon, is what he said. Okay, because we don't, you know, could this night, April 23rd, Saturday night, be a setup where Pettis and Horiguchi are, are, are setting up to go again if they both win? And neither victory, by the way, is, is some automatic consequence. With that said, Luke, um, this is a deep Grand Prix. The names are big. Do you still stand where we stood when this fight card was announced that even though Kyoji Horiguchi lost to the champion Sergio Pettis by, you know, as I guess, I don't know if the word is uh, miraculous, but that's not too far off. Miraculous knockout from Sergio Pettis. Is the Gooch still the favorite? Forget the betting odds. Ooh. In your heart, is the Gooch the tournament favorite as we kick yes. this off? Yes. You can't take away what Sergio Pettis did. He stayed committed to the fight and found an opening. Simple as that, right? But as we all saw what happened for the 18 minutes and however many seconds it was before he threw that, that was a one-sided ass-whipping. So I don't want to discount anything Sergio did. He won that fight fair and square. That's what MMA is all about. You let your guard down for an instant, and you will pay for it. But I do think that the guy who has shown the most ability to this point is probably Kyoji Horiguchi. Don't you agree? Yeah, and, and just to recap for anyone that, that forgets, here's the pool uh, in this uh Bellator eight-man tournament, Sergio Pettis, Horiguchi, Magomed Magomedov, who despite yeah. that close loss to Rafian Stotts, is, is game. James Gallagher, Leandro Higo, Patchy Mix, Rafian Stotts, and Juan Archuleta, the former champion, you know, somewhat forgotten in this mix. So, you know, I definitely want to see, I'm, I'm most interested in seeing James Gallagher's path because he's really going to have to prove to us, Luke, exactly what he's made of if he's going to keep advancing and get through this bracket. Gooch, to me, is the favorite. But, dude, I'm watching Magomed Magomedov close, Luke, not just because it's 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 smash season right now, but, you know, even in that loss, dude, he's got a motor. This guy this guy's a, it's going to be a problem here. He's got, a, he's got Corey Anderson vibes entering the light heavyweight Grand Prix, in my opinion, okay? Uh, last thing I'll say on this, don't forget Ramadan, I think, is April 2nd to May 2nd. 
think part of the reason why they haven't put the bracket out is I think Magomedov will be observing Ramadan, which means fighting is going to be a bit of a difficult task. So I think they're waiting to figure out what his schedule is before they can make the full brackets, but it should be out soon from what I hear. Luke, are you team anger fist for a uh, cyborg one co two or what, bro? I don't, I don't have a, I don't have a side. I mean, may the best person win. I don't really care. Uh, BC, okay. uh, it is time for over under my friend. Yeah, Luke, Please, this segment pretty much explains itself. I got seven questions. I got a number for you. You tell me if the odds are more likely to be over or under. Total Vapes per episode, I take the over. Thank you. Can right. you can you get through this before seven hours expires? Let's see. Yes, let's. Okay, number one here, Luke. We need a little jingle. We need a theme song, something. Luke, Nate Diaz penned an IG post this week and aimed it at UFC and Dana White saying, quote, I'm ready for my last fight. The guy says he's ready also, meaning Poirier. So let's get this shit popping. I've got shit to do. Luke, over under... 75% chance that the only reason UFC hasn't booked Nate Dustin yet, despite both fighters wanting it and Dana White going on record about 18 times saying he wants it, is because Dana is trying to wait out this Jake Paul bubble, which might explain the Jorge Masvidal five-fight deal that he just signed at age 37, mm-hmm. as long as possible to prevent Nate and maybe even Jorge from moving on over and cashing in on it. True. I'll, I'll take the over. I'll take the over. And if you're a promoter and you're a Dana and you not only does Dana not want to lose Nate Diaz's services to somebody else, if he can at all avoid it, but to Jake Paul. And here's the worst part. Like, you know, I don't know that I would bet on Jake Paul to beat Nate Diaz. Probably I wouldn't. But if that fight gets delayed and, you know, we're teetering on 40, Again, I, he's a hu- big, not huge guy, but he's a bigger guy than Nate. Like, I'm not saying, he, I would still pick Nate to win, but, you know, that would improve Jake's chances. Dude, that number's aggressive, though, 75. So you're saying, without a shadow of a doubt, that Nate versus Dustin could have happened in January of this year, for well, all we know. in fairness, hold on. There's no, also no doubt that I'm sure Diaz is asking for things that, you know, complicate the procedure. Whether he's entitled to them or not is different. Yeah. but He's you like, know, yo, I, w- I want... I want three and a half million to take this fight. And they're like, we don't really give that out in like a lump sum like that. You know, we don't really do that. Uh, it's actually, I, I can tell you a story off air. That's not too far from that, actually. But the point I'm trying to make is there's a ton of friction between them. Hanato Moicano, frictionless to get him to fly basically from South and North America. It's a lot of friction to get Nate to do it. I, I'll take the over. <laughs> All right, Luke. 44-year-old Brock Lesnar spoke to the New York Post this week while promoting WrestleMania and was asked about his future in the UFC, saying, quote, I'm too old, that's a young man's sport, and that door is closed. I'm Brock Lesnar, the WWE superstar, end quote. Luke, two and a half over under the amount of current top 15 UFC heavyweights that Lesnar could defeat right now in a three-round fight if allowed to roid up to whatever excessive amount he wants without penalty, similar to UFC 200, although there was a... A penalty at the end of that as well, Luke. Now, this is three rounds. How about this? You don't even have to cut to 265, Brock. Let that dude shoot up that horse tranquilizer right into his ball sack, Luke. Two and a half, over under, top 15 UFC heavyweights. I'll take the over. I'll take the over. Wow. So you're like, so like the perfect name for this is Augusto Sakai, right? That's like the perfect middle of the road measuring stick. So 44-year-old... Well, here's what I would say. I think Walt Harris on the feet would obviously light Brock Lesnar on fire. 
But Brock still got, you know, I mean, I was like, okay, UFC 200. Brock still had really good takedowns. That was a, while, a long time ago, I, I grant. but He was 38 then, yeah, but he, yeah. I mean, dude, let's be honest. When he took his shirt off on the scale, no, not the scales, that public workout he did, and he oh. took his shirt off at UFC 200 after, you know, and, I mean, dude, he was fucking gigantic, Luke, yeah. and just caught, like, sh- I mean, Luke, he was... He was roided up to the gills, Luke. I mean, there were needles just hanging from his nipples, Luke. Wasn't wasn't it beautiful? I loved it. Yeah, I mean, it was the peak of human performance. That guy, even at 44, that guy takes Augusto Sakai downtown, Luke. You ta- know I think I mean? he takes a lot of these guys down. It's uncomfortable to say, but I think it's true. He, he Dude, he, he, even like with barely any prep, he was taking down guys who had... I mean, I remember when he fought Heath Herring. We're all like, dude, you see how big Heath looked at the weigh-ins? Heath Herring's going to give him some problems. He fucking ran over Heath Herring like it was The nothing. thing is, though, Luke, if you hit him right in the face with one big shot, you can put him on yes. uh, tilt. Right. You can't but get him on. what was your question? Like, well, who could he beat? Like, I mean, you know, we don't know. We're all speculating. Those are, how about this? Those are, there's, are there at least three winnable fights in the top 10, or top 15 for him? Yeah, there are three winnable fights. Absolutely. Okay. Would he mow the lawn with uh, Greg Hardy? Oh man, probably, bro. That I mean, because you know he's a good athlete too. He take. I mean, we're talking like a roided up version. He could still move a little bit, I'm sure. So, and just yeah. just so you know, the opponents they'd have to go undergo USADA, Luke. <laughs> All right, All right. Yeah. Thanks. Although Brock would have to get. I mean, the the chest tattoo is everyone hates it more than I do. I don't like it, but I don't. I don't. Like, you know, I don't care about it. The haircut. I mean, what are we doing with that thing? The haircut. <laughs> well, now he's got the facial the hair at least, so it's not that bad. Uh, I mean, Luke, who looks at that and goes, nailed it? I mean, don't get me wrong. I don't look in the mirror and think I've nailed it either, to be clear. But I don't think I'm egregiously you know, annoying the world with my just my hair, although I probably am doing that too. Look, true or false, thinking back at Lesnar's UFC run, it, it, it kind of feels like, like a fever dream or something. Like It feels like it was like a movie we watched. Like It wasn't It was realistic. a party. It was it was like a dude. If you're, it was like being at a party, and like randomly, a famous person came through the party and kind of celebrated and was doing all the things with you. Bill Murray what? is there. Bill Murray's making out with chicks. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Bill Murray's singing and pretending he's still funny at age whatever he is at this point. Uh, yeah, it, it was like that. It was like a party that a famous person showed up to. We had a great time and he moved on. That was it. I mean, one of one, Luke. Whether you love him or hate him, one of one. All right, BC, we got to move this along. Okay, I'm, I'm just entertaining my people, Luke. Okay, number three. After recent comments from Terrence Crawford and trainer Brian Bomack McIntyre about the idea of moving up to 154 pounds if the big-name welterweights continue to avoid him, oh no. Unified junior middleweight champion Jermel Charlo took umbrage with those words, saying on the Last Stand with Brian Custer podcast, quote, Crawford, y'all ain't never seen no real shit like this shit here. How about he do what's best and go fight Earl Spence then? Shut up. Take a little bit less money. Be quiet. Humble yourself and fight Errol Spence. He a stud. Sit your ass in your weight division and see if you can beat one of them. Because fuck with me, you're going to get knocked the fuck out. I'm a knockout artist, baby. End quote. Unrelated, Luke, there was some, I think, a TMZ report about some potential troubles with the law for Jermel. So that's something to watch there. But, Luke, um, this is far from an easy fight to make. Terrence Crawford versus Jermel Charlo at 154 pounds because um, Charlo has two overdue mandatories that he's going to have to do should he get past Brian Castaño in their rematch to keep all of those belts. But, Luke, over under, minus 110 
what Terrence Crawford's odds should be if he was to accept a fight tomorrow against Jermel Charlo at 154 pounds. I'll take the under. Here's the thing. Bud is, well, okay. I and think just so you know, Luke, just to cut you off one last time, Errol Spence is teammates. I don't think that'll Jermel be the Charlo. last time you cut me off, but yes, please, please continue. Jermel Charlo and Errol Spence are teammates, so part of this is Jermel Charlo getting his teammates back and saying, hey, Crawford, dude, you should be fighting Spence. You know what I'm saying? Right, right. right. I would say this. Bud is obviously – I think Jermel is probably the slightly more talented of the two between Jermel and Jermel. Um, and I would say that for that reason uh, and because he is significant – well, shit, you know? Fuck. That's a tough one. Shit balls. Um, I mean, do you agree Bud would be the favorite? Do you agree with that? Yeah, he probably would be. You know what? I'm going to take my answer back. I'll take... Well, does the over make the the minus higher? Like minus yeah, 10 to now minus... the over bigger? makes him a bigger... Uh, I, I'll take the over barely. Barely. He might be like a minus 120, minus 130-ish kind of range. Luke, so I texted you... I texted you the same... The same, um, the same spirit, the same attitude, um, the same energy... If they freaking made Terrence, if we can't get Crawford Spence, which everybody wants and deserves, of course, if Crawford moved up to 154 and fought Jermel Charlo, Luke, I'd, I'd take my clothes off and, and go streaking. I mean, this is like, this is involuntarily shadow boxing in the mirror. Like, this is, you know, your parents on December 1st going, I, I know Christmas is like a few weeks, but you just want to open that shit now? Like, yeah, dude. Are you kidding me? Dude, how high would you be off of this news, Luke? I mean, I would. If it was on Showtime. I'd be very high. <laughs> do you remember those accidental erections in high school that all you could do was hold like four books in front of it when you're walking down the hallway? Because your body's changing, dude. Right? And there's chicks. I mean, you know. I mean, I mean, well, you know, it's it's science, Luke. Right? So, um, yep. Luke, I would have one of those in my day. All de- dead wood, no more, Luke. Alive, alive and well. Okay, we Three need needles, that, bro. Three needles. All right, here we go. Number four, Luke, as you are aware by now, I'm setting up shop in good old Deadwood, South Dakota for Showbox Friday night. I've never been to South Dakota, Luke, never imagined being in South Dakota and never tried to go to South Dakota before. So this is cool, but it's also weird. Luke, the current population in this barren state is 886,000 people. Over under three, three, the amount of current South Dakota residents who make up our 106,000 YouTube MK subscription base. Wow. There are only 800 plus thousand people in all of South Dakota. Yeah, I think there's like four times that amount in Connecticut alone, Luke. Yeah, dude, DC is 700,000. That's a small city. Um, Three people. I want to make so many jokes about South Dakota right now. I just want to kill them on air. It's like, do three people have internet in South Dakota? I don't even know. Um, if you I'll are living yes. in South Dakota and you can prove it, morning combat. I'll say at yes. Gmail. I'll take com, the over. Okay? I'll take the over. I think at least three, but it probably ain't many. Probably like okay. ten or something. 
You know, I was driving here, Luke. It, this could be Saskatchewan for all I know. I mean, it happened to say South Dakota, the street sign, but like it's 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 a different world out here. Okay, Luke. You know, yeah. Gaff says that uh, he's looking in the chat, and no one has identified as being from South Dakota. Yet. Yeah, Gaff's like, I can't find any South Dakotans, but I can find a bunch of racists and misogynists. Yeah, that, that's the morning combat chat for you. Um, what 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 are there more of in in South Dakota? Antlers on people's walls or YouTube subscribers for morning combat? <laughs> Or YouTube subscribers in general. All right, Luke, uh, number five of seven. UFC welterweight champion Kamaru Usman scoffed at the idea of fighting Hamzat Chemaev this calendar year when he talked to the media last weekend during a scrum at 272. The quote, well, I mean, this guy hasn't even fought in the top 10. He hasn't even beat anyone yet. So, I mean, Covington is still standing in the way. So, I think there's a couple more fights that he has to get through. End quote. Luke Dana White, when asked at Saturday's post-fight presser uh, whether Chimaya versus Gilbert Burns was a number one contender fight, he responded, yeah, that makes sense. So, Luke, considering Kamaru Usman thinks he's boxing Canelo this year, the over-under, one and a half, the amount of victories Hamzat Chimaev will still need to get a shot at Kamaru Usman's welterweight title. I'll take the under. I'm going to take the under. Okay, gonna you're going to take Dana at his word that if Chimaev beats Burns and if Usman doesn't do something else after Leon right. Edwards, right? Right, right. Okay. Yes, okay. I'm going to take the under. I think that Chimaev already has way too much hype. Not too much in the sense that he's undeserving of it. I'm just being overwhelming amount for people to resist themselves. And we've talked about it. You beat somebody the quality of Gilbert Burns, dude, you're you're elite. That's just how it goes because he's super elite. So you get past that one. Granted, you know, how many elite wins would he have? He would have one elite win at that point. But that might be the only elite win that you need if you're Kamzat Shemaev. So if he beats Gilbert Burns, I'm going to take the under. I'll say one. Well, just, just that one, the Gilbert Burns one. Is it going to be weird, Luke, when – we're in the midst of this Russian-Ukraine thing, and there's obvious fears of what direction this could end up going. And there's, you know, people are taking an anti-Russian stand, whether it's misplaced or not aimed at fighters or people or whatever. If all of these Russians arrive at the same time and take over each division in the UFC, is that going to be a problem for the uh, for the fan base, Luke? Portions of them. <laughs> all right. Portions of not for me. Not for okay. you. Well, speaking of that, Luke, rising UFC bantamweight Bryce Mitchell appeared last night with Tucker, Carl Tucker Carlson on That's Fox awesome. News explaining his stance on why he would never take part as a U.S. citizen in a Russia-Ukraine war unless Russia was invading his beloved Arkansas directly. Mitchell went on to tell Carlson, quote, I'm not just wanting to go waste my life fighting for some of these battles that I don't even believe in. I believe our leaders, a lot of these elites in the U.S., are guilty of treason. What they've done is just treasonous, end quote. Luke, he went on to say he has been getting a huge backlash because of those comments, but unlike most people, he doesn't have fear in his job that he'll lose it by speaking his mind. Luke, over under, 84% of U.S.-born UFC fighters right now currently have the Fox News app downloaded on their phone. Oh, I'll take the over. 84 seems like a profound undercount. If it's not in the mid to high 90s, uh, I would be I would be shocked. I would very much imagine that they... I, I tweeted about this earlier. Like, there's clear... I mean, people are like, well, was that so bad? No, I like what you like, hate what you hate. I mean, I'm... What? Like, if I tell you that's going to make any difference, people are going to do what they're going to do. 
but there is clearly a coalition forming. You saw like the sort of the mainstream left-wing media kind of coalescing around the NBA and, and NFL and some of their progressive causes. And, you know, like that or hate that, that's up to you. This is something of a different, or maybe even a response, but certainly the other side of it where you're getting this sort of right-wing um, UFC fighter coalition. And, dude, they're getting a ton of publicity from it. But you're asking me who's got that kind of shit on their phone? All of them, virtually all of them. I don't. Are think you impressed? Are you just impressed in general with the footprint Bryce Mitchell has made for himself in the past two months? Sure. I mean, here's the thing, dude. Like, I, I don't know how to answer these questions about people's worldviews because, you know, almost everyone in MMA, including my co-host on the show, Brian Campbell, have very different views about the world. And so, you know, trying to police everyone to get the you to see the world the way that you do is, you know, we have to battle that out sometimes, but you also have to be kind of, you have to have a little bit of humility about like your way is your way and you kind of should leave it that way. Um, yeah, you know, get, so what, get off my shit, my way. Yeah, well, is, what I'm saying is, way. you know, whatever, whatever he wants to do on the political side, if nothing, or just go on Tucker once and that's it, it's entirely up to him. I'm trying my best, dude. I really am. I'm trying and I'm sure I'm, I suck at it at times. You know, who's not genuine... doing a good job with that, Luke? Our fan, the snarky ginger, because that time I said I liked Keith Schilling. Cam, what is it? Kurt Schilling as a baseball player? Because yeah, I, I was he at was the, a good baseball player. I was at the bloody sock game, and I, you know, and he's kind of an asshole in interviews, so I always kind of liked his snarkiness. She assumed I meant that I like uh, everything he's ever said, Luke, and she uh, is uh, still talking some ish on the old uh, Twitter web. All right, that's fine. I'm just pointing out, I'm, you know, he, it's not just dude. He went on Tucker because he said something, but he said something at a media event ahead of a fight. And in that fight, he performed super well. It's all part of a general effort rooted in the work they do in the octagon. I do my, I, and I'm sure I fail at it, dude, but I, I genuinely try. I, I try, I try, I try. You try. We got to try to keep going. Put our, that stuff our, aside to pay attention to the good stuff. Our Go great ahead. CBS producer, Mikey Mormile, sliding in saying, we had 107 YouTube views from the state of South Dakota last month. I don't think that means 107 separate people, correct? No, that could be one person just refreshing 106 times. Because their, their, their Wi-Fi was so bad, it just kept, you know, refreshing. They, they were um, looking for a McDonald's Wi-Fi, but there's no McDonald's. Yeah, yeah, indeed, Luke. All right, I got one more for you on over-under. Here we go. This is a true story from this morning, Luke. While at Bradley International Airport in Hartford, Connecticut, or Windsor Locks, Connecticut, excuse me, I stood in line at the Dunkin' Donuts two spots ahead of UConn women's bas basketball coach Gino Oriema, who, Luke, you may know, is revered in the in my state like a deity. And he was also with assistant coach and 1995 national champion Jamel Elliott. Luke, this is just two days removed from the women's Huskies team winning their 20th Big East tournament. Elliott was talking kind of loud and relaying to Gino that star sophomore Paige Beckers who finally returned from a much publicized knee injury two weeks ago, was complaining about her minutes played. And look, I looked it up. Paige played just nine minutes off the bench in their 30-point blowout of Villanova in the Big East final. And Gino's like, well, you know, look, you know, basically saying she's a, she's a, she's a fire plug. She's coming after it. Luke, over under, three and a half. The amount of women's basketball games, college or pro, that you have watched from start to finish over the course of your 42-year life? Zero. Zero. Um, start to finish. I've seen long portions, but you, start you, to finish. You hypocrite misogynist, Luke. I, I'm sorry. I just don't, I don't, it does, women's basketball doesn't do anything for me. I'm sorry. It doesn't, 
I mean, look, I'm, 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 allowed, I'm allowed to not like certain things, by the way. I'm not even a UConn women fan. And when you're in Connecticut, it's just like you got to step over that shit. I mean, it's in your face every second, every day, Luke. You know, it's like secondhand smoke. You know what I'm saying? Like asbestos, Luke. That's what the UConn women's team is in Connecticut. Asbestos. Listen, I'm not saying you can't like these things or people out there can't like them. It just doesn't appeal to me. And that's okay. But yeah, how many have I seen start to finish? Looks like, have any of them made me a sandwich in the past week? I ain't supporting that shit. No, fuck off. It's not that, you fucking hater. All right, Luke. Let's close quickly here with fan submissions. Morningcombat at gmail.com is the email address to send in yourselves wearing tight t-shirts and all that shit. Uh, We've got mail. Let's do it. We've got mail. We've got male viewers. Yes, we do, Luke. All right, yes. Ragingly single male viewers. Uh, Here's Adam. He says, Luke, put a sticky note under your camera that says you aren't on radio anymore so you can realize you don't have to cut to commercial or end your show on time so Goober McFuckface can come on after you and talk about downhill skiing or some bullshit. The fans enjoy the shows. Put something stronger than nicotine in the vape so you can relax. Just let them happen. Luke, this was a roast of you worthy of dead wrong on Friday. Yes, this is a very, very, very funny one. The reason why is we all had meetings prior to those shows saying we wanted the show to go a little bit quicker. Granted, we are not good at doing that, but that's why I do it. I was trying to just move the show along. I wasn't trying to, I wasn't trying to hate on your art, BC. Thank you. Uh, here comes Nick. He says, quote, another funny. I think he thinks he's got another funny meme for us, Luke. Let's see it. What does Nick have? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't it's know right if that's, is that racist? You know, as Mike Goldberg would say, Luke, virtually identical. And to be, is wait, are they saying because you were born in India? That's why, Luke. That's racist. Yeah. Yeah. This is. Uh, we should move on from this one. Okay. All right. God. I mean, don't, don't, don't let the Indian cry, Luke. Make the Indian. I mean, that's just. I mean, come on, Luke. Uh, the Native American, please. Luke, Adam slides in, a different Adam. This subreddit is full of people shitting on Luke for his newly found midlife crisis vaping habit. Decided to throw a few shitty memes together with some of the best stuff I saw out there. Shouts to the subreddit for credit. Oh, hey. Something new. There we go. It's Isabella. Yeah, yeah. What else uh, can I do? I don't even know Contigo, and I still understand this, Luke, okay? Next, and then, what else and then Mirabel says, bring it in, bring it in, which the translation was, Benaka, Benaka. Gotta get stuff. that. Mm, mm, mm. Yeah, right? Yeah. Yes. All right. Any Anything else from Adam? Or can we go on to Dave, Gav? Thanks, Gav. Oh, here's one more. <laughs> All right. I mean, Luke, eventually they'll break you. Right now it's like, okay, we've seen Dude. this joke, guys. Funny, funny. But soon you'll turn on them, Luke, okay? And, I mean, we're getting close there. Dude, Uh, I'm telling you. Oh, here we go. (laughs) (laughs) I would believe it, Luke. Yeah, yeah, listen, I've had, had, you know, not every photo someone takes of you is your best. Let's put it that way. Luke, I mean, look, I can't say anything because the photos of me during that age are, are, you know, (laughs) virtually identical, as they'd say again. But uh, that guy, there's a lot of despair in that guy's eyes, Luke, okay? Yeah, dude, I was, true story, I was drinking every day at this time in my life. Every single day. Your haircut represents that. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, it looked like you got back from the audition for uh, higher learning, Luke. Remy, you know, Michael Rappaport. Yeah. All right, Luke. Finally, Dave says, gents, as a fellow parent of a small child, 
I feel Luke's pain when he talks about kids requesting songs on repeat. So I put my insane Photoshop skills, a.k.a. cutting and pasting in PowerPoint, to use and tried to capture my feelings about a certain song from Encanto by screenshotting Luke's face at the exact moment Tuki asked for it the 10,000th time. Love you guys. Keep up the good work. I hope to catch your live show. Uh, blah, blah, blah. So the donks and I can once again attempt to overthrow the editorial pro electoral process and put MK in the Combat Sports Hall of Fame. Stay frothy. It's Nobby Buckles, a.k.a. Dave. Luke, can you explain this meme to me? Uh, I Okay, so Bruno was a character who was like one of the uncles who was hiding in the walls because he didn't want to get blamed for shit, basically. And they don't talk about him. And uh, no, I don't really get this. Um, all right. All right. There it is. I guess I did. I shit on conversation about Bruno Silva. I don't remember that, but maybe I no, did. you you didn't. They just assumed you get real excited. So look, here's the thing. I got to pee really bad. I'm sure you got a few other jobs or some vape channels to watch, and you know, here we go. <laughs> some chemtrails to research. <laughs> yeah, there it is. There it is. Get that Dude, shit that out. That was what? funny. Wash vape that down. To watch. That's Wash hilarious. that down with an energy drink like a real American, Luke. Okay. How about Diet you know Mountain Dew, BC. God damn. Where's my yeah, sidearm? I'm going to go feel around Deadwood like a blind man in an orgy, Luke. Yeah, right? You know what I mean? Just get immersed in this shit, right? Yeah. Okay. What do you, what do you do? What is there to do in Deadwood except for Friday to go to the fights and watch them on Showtime? But short of that, what is there to do? Yeah. Well, you know, I think the best way, how would you describe the Deadwood nightlife? Uh, it's me after my vasectomy, Luke. You know what I mean? Just uh, Deadwood indeed, Luke. Okay. Just gummy uh, no. bears and you crying in a tub? Here's what I'll say so far. People, the people are outstanding, and there's a very cheesy, Wild West vibe to everything, right? You know, like, in, in so far, oh, okay. Luke. You know, I've been to Redneck Vegas, a.k.a. Pigeon Forge in Gatlinburg, Tennessee, Luke, okay? But um, this has a very Branson, Missouri type of feel to it. And, you know, those who know, they know, Luke, okay? Okay, well, I wish you nothing but uh, don't get shot. Don't get shot. Just... Be nice. Do you think I will get challenged to a duel at all while I'm here? Because I'll Aaron Burr the shit out of somebody, Luke. Yeah, right? I don't think you'll get challenged to a duel, but you might get bucked in the parking lot if you give someone the side eye. <laughs> Yo, I, I think every man deserves to get shivved at least once, right, Luke? Between the sixth and seventh rib, you gotta, that's where you get to the yeah. lung, just, you know. Yeah, fish. Yeah, yeah, fresh meat, yeah. Right? Nasty meat. What, what, oh, no, serious no, question, no, serious question, because I know you're bitch ass. Do they, and this is real, do they have Uber Eats in Deadwood, South Dakota? Because I I'm know about, you checked, you I'm fuck. about to find out, bro. I'm not kidding. Every single restaurant in this city, town, is a steakhouse. I'm not even kidding, Luke. Every single well, one. Steaks must be good, right? I mean, if I, everyone's doing it, like, they're probably pretty good. If everyone's vaping, I might as well get on it, right? You know, it's great, right? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. That's really All dude, right. these vape jokes, I'm gonna keep vaping them because these are actually I love this roasting. It's fucking hilarious. Dude, so. how how high T am I in this Deadwood hat compared to the one love hat, Luke? I gotta say, it brings out a you know what? You know why I like it? Because it's that hunter orange, right? Because yeah. sometimes the hunters by rules have to wear that orange vest for the hunting the deer. Or a lot of hunting uh circumstances. It's you got you know what? You got a little bit of a your car makes you look like you're on the trip to Lilith Fair, so that doesn't work. But the hat makes you look like you're on the way to the gas station, 
to get some tackle to go fish yes. or maybe go hunt. Pretty and good, get a li- and, and get a little shit in the lip, Luke. I look like um, I, I really do look like a, a, a backwoodser right now. I'm, I'm, you know, here's the, that's the thing, Luke. Do I clean up well on camera? Sometimes, but you can't forget your roots, Luke. Okay, I'm, I represent Naugatuck, Connecticut, even when I'm in Deadwood. Okay, and we 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 could fit in around here. Uh, I don't think you could fit in around. I don't think I could fit in around there. No, we could not fit in around there. We could get by. We can't really fit in. I'd probably fit in. Yeah, I bet I could fit in more. And uh, no, I won't say that. But what at a, at okay. a brothel? Yeah, yeah, a Latin brothel, Luke. Latin. Oh, a Latin brothel, dude. La casita. I mean, yeah. you kidding me? That's that's home, buddy. All right. Uh, special thanks, Luke, to, uh, to the to the viewers for adjusting yep. your time so that BC could fly. Because again. Go look up Hartford to Rapid City Flights. There's not a lot of them, Luke, but I'll be here again on Friday with you. Friday night, Showbox, the new generation. Get your 30 days of Showtime right now because there's so much Bellator coming at you, so much great boxing. But, of course, come support what BC's doing with uh, Barry Tompkins. And, Luke, you know our colleague, Raul Marquez, former 154-pound world champion. El Diamante. uh, El Diamante, as you mentioned, well, you know, look, seriously, one of the better analysts in the game today, no question, his son, Giovanni Marquez, a U.S. National Golden Gloves champion, making his pro debut in Friday yep. night's triple header, a four-round bout to kick it off. This is a big deal, Luke. I think he will become just the sixth fighter in Showbox's 21-year history to make their pro debut on the show. So, Wow, uh, Ra- really? Raul is going to be the head trainer in the corner. And then so wait, he's is it just you and Barry on commentary? For the first fight, and then Raul after the, you know, hopeful celebration, or we'll see what happens, you know. Nelson Morales is coming on. Uh, he's going to be back in the booth with Barry Tompkins and myself. Steve Farhood, of course, is going to be part of the broadcast, the Hall of Famer. So um, live from Deadwood, Luke, I don't know what, what it's going to look like, but tune in to find out. Yeah. Dude, that's dude, that's a, that's a man, can you imagine like, cornering your son for their pro debut on national television and then – you have to go call fights on national television? Fucking Raul has. You know what that got, means, got Luke? got work cut out for him. Hey, could you turn off more lights so we can't? There we go. You know what that means, Luke? Two paychecks, okay? Right? Maybe Raul's smarter than we are, okay? All right, two paychecks. Yeah, like what you're doing today, you fucking ape? I know yeah. you. Wow, afternoon. Luke, afternoon combat gets off the rails a bit, but it's a fairly good show, you know? I liked. I, I didn't mind this afternoon slot. I feel, I'm feeling. I'm feeling frisky. I might go vape in my in my, the shitter tonight. <laughs> I'm like, I know I just got off the plane, but do they have the uh, eighth row of Delta in this town at all, Luke? Okay, I need. To, I'll take the exit row if that's all you got. But can we please? Okay. Yeah, yes. I like the eighth row. Exit row, the seats don't recline, but on the eighth row, I don't know. For some reason, you just feel great. You know what I'm what saying? What do you think about this move, Luke? From Hartford to Minneapolis this morning, I'm in the exit row, but I'm alone, right? So that's great. Unbuckle the belt, use my backpack as a pillow, spread across all three and fall asleep, but I kept my shoes on. Is that a white trash move or is that okay? No. if you For sure, if you were taking the shoes off, you'd be dubbed T. But because you kept him on, it's borderline, but I don't think it counts. I don't think that counts. Selfish, maybe. Selfish. Little prick. East Coast prick. Yeah, you know, there's an East Coast bias. Luke, um, MK Social uh, star Brendan Lynch sliding into our Zoom. Do you see on his uh, Instagram, Luke, that he grapples? I didn't. I did not see that. I would like to to set it, considering you have 10 years grappling experience, I'd like to set up a little little super fight. Maybe Maybe we'll run it at a high roller's. BC, I'm retired. 
You understand that? I don't do that, that anymore. If Brendan Lynch comes at the King, my body. He's I'm trying not to live. Miss. I'm trying to. I'm trying to get some vapes and some Delta Eights in here, not some arm bars. Okay, okay, okay. All right. Um, yeah. Well, hey, uh, Luke. We'll find out if we win more awards, and you know, who knows? I mean, can we tell the people we got some? We got some big plans, Luke. Uh, yeah. Uh, you can vote for us for best combat sports podcast at Sports Podcast Awards, and uh, that'd be great. If we win that, I think we get some real cool shit to do. So, so do that. So we Luke, can go true or false? Shit with you, with you guys, with you guys. True or false? Not only are you and I going to be back in Jersey City sooner than later for another round of let's make award-winning content, but you and I might be visiting South Florida together soon. We might be visiting South Florida very soon together, so that should be fun. Be on we the might be doing some big all. boy shit down there. So yeah. what you know? Gonna right? be in some. Gonna be in some. Some BBL. Heaven, you know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, no masks allowed in Florida, Luke. Okay. All right. They dropped the mask mandate here, so who cares at this point? I guess. All right, BC. Uh, let's call it a day. Enjoy Deadwood. If you want to follow us on social, you can see the graphic below. Morning Combat's name is the same everywhere, and then there's BC and I. Uh, email the show morningcombat at gmail.com for Friday's Dead Wrong. More content coming tomorrow, by the way. So be on the lookout for that. Uh, Showtime is the label that pays us and BC especially. Go to Showtime.com, get a 30-day free trial. You can catch BC for free. Look at that. Look at that. Pull it up just a little higher. There you go. Uh, you can get uh, that merch, I think, at MorningCombat.store. I th- is that up there yet? Yeah, that's up there, Luke. That's okay, up there. There you go. There you go. So visit MorningCombat.store to get that. And BC, any final words? Um, no, thank you, folks. Thank you for being great listeners, great viewers. You know what I mean? You tell it like it is. The things you don't like, you tell us. The things you do like, though, tell a friend, okay? Let's get this. Luke, we've been stuck, right? Remember when that Remember that time they are like, he's sitting on 714, and then Hank Aaron hit it out of the park and, and broke the damn record, Luke. We, April 4th, or April 8th, I'm sorry, 1974. Luke, we have been sitting on 104, 105, 106, 100,000 YouTube subscribers for a long time. What's it going to take for the remaining freeloaders who have been down with MK since day one to click that subscribe button to stop being a freeloader? Uh, a, change in our, a change in our content strategy. Oh, all right. Then we'll work on it. <laughs> we got to go. All right. For Mulka, for CBS Sports, for Showtime, for Deadwood, South Dakota, and BC's Frustrated Uber Eats, I'm Luke Thomas. We'll see you guys on Friday. And until then, may all of your gains be loyal.